How's it going, man? Everything good? Yeah, can't complain. Got another four-day weekend, so just right on the cusp of getting back into routine just to throw it all off again, so. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> How about you, man? Uh, you said uh, Karina's pretty close, huh? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, well, it's just a waiting game at this point. Um, man, that's crazy. She, she's technic. I mean, her due date is December 31st, but the doctor thinks that she may go a little past it. But you never know. It may happen, you know, tonight. It may happen tomorrow. So if I uh, have to, you know, run for the hills, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, if it if it happens tonight, though, dibs on Godfather. Just, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I, Serge Ferrari, have taken control and will be turning the tables to ask the questions. With me now is Steve Damon uh, for the interview, and and I do want to quickly just preface the interview by um, preface the questions by by saying that the idea to interview Steve came to me a while back, and the reason why I pitched it to Steve is because I feel that. As one of the few people who have been in the sport, at least on a national level, for so long, I'm thinking 2004, 2005, I think Steve's story um, is a very interesting one and very insightful. So thanks, Steve, for willing to go forward with this idea, and and, and I'm excited for this interview. Nice, man. That's, uh, that's a really nice way to say you're old. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so. <laughs> well, let me, uh, so, so let me back up and just let you know, man. Um, first of all, this is kind of cool because uh, now I get to see what I'm putting other people through. And so when people tell me, hey, I, I don't know if I'll be good, I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, nonsense. We can talk to Oswald for days. But uh, yeah, I'm feeling it now. And um, the second part is when, when you did reach out to me, I just got to tell you, right now, I, was, I was freaking like, just completely floored and, and very honored because um, as people I think have caught on by now because of the OG panels, they know that uh, you and I have gone back for a ways and for someone who, you know, was, I would say, a rival captain for a little while, rival player, um, somebody that we're always trained to, to try to defeat for, for that, to, ha- to have that kind of like respect for that person really meant yeah. a lot, dude. So I, I really appreciated that and um yeah i was i like stopped in my tracks in the gym i was like holy crap this is pretty amazing so i appreciate the opportunity you're too unassuming steve you have you have a very exciting story to tell so let's uh what do you say we just jump right into it let's go for it all right so i guess for some just very preliminary questions to to kind of pick out the history and sort of some general biographical questions what what got you into dodgeball Oh man! So without trying to uh, make this super long, um, I belong to a group of people that we did all kinds of random weird stuff late at night, and uh, a lot of that was because we didn't drink at the time, we didn't do drugs or anything crazy or what we assumed popular people would do. So we would play random like capture the flag um, in the middle of the night. We do tag, we do like freeze, like like just random stuff. And so when uh, this friend of mine at the time, his name was Logan Tobia, some people might know the name, uh, Dylan Tobia's older brother, came up with this idea to play dodgeball. And he called me up one Saturday night and I said, you're stupid. I don't want to do it. It's a dumb thing to do. I was working full time. I was 20. I was just run ragged. And um, it was just one of those situations where I, I put the phone down and thought about it. I'm like, well, I got to wake up early tomorrow. 
what's the worst that can happen? Whatever, let's just go play. And um, I mean, immediately I, just, I fell in love with it. Um, dodgeball was something that I played in middle school. Um, talking like the old school 8.5 red rubber kickballs, um, even as kids, um, you know, they weren't afraid to, to actually let us be kids. So I, I remembered enjoying that so much that when I played that one Saturday night, I was like, I, I think I'm hooked forever. And that's, that's essentially what happened. So that's crazy. Um, so you guys, so I'm, I'm sort of picturing like, um, almost like a, like a, like a Kenny uh, Cox sort of story where a bunch of people congregate uh, randomly in different places, public, private places, doesn't matter. Yep. And, and you guys were just, just doing random things. And then eventually it led to dodgeball. Does that sound about right? That's, that's exactly what happened. And I remember <laughs> one night um, we were playing capture the flag at like two o'clock in the morning in, in this one park. And uh, mind you, there's like 30, 40 of us and uh when the cops chase us out they're like god we're, we're so sorry we have to do this because you guys aren't doing anything wrong it's a little oh, wow. weird that you're not doing anything wrong like usually like why aren't you guys drinking so to speak or, or being stupid and, and i'm sorry what were you guys playing we were playing capture the flag at this time with glow uh, sticks. Where? uh it was some park in tucson um at two o'clock in the morning um oh, wow. <laughs> yeah and so the the cops were just like who, who are you guys and uh they're just pretty they're pretty sh- uh, shaken up that you know they're here to bust this mass gathering of people and there's not one drop of alcohol or one joint on us at all and um yeah it just kind of set the pace for i guess what we got used to you know just random unsanctioned mass of people playing dodgeball or other weird stuff wherever we could wherever the venue suited us before we got kicked out that's amazing that's that's a that's quite an incredible story and so do you do you remember your first experience can uh, playing dodgeball can you tell me a little bit more about that um my first experience at least i remember was fourth grade it was rainy and we decided to play medic um which is a form of dodgeball inside the multi-purpose room or cafeteria and um i was and i'm not trying to humble brag by any means but i was one of the few kids i could throw an adult-sized football um, when we played football. So I was always, um, I was kind of just, I love throwing stuff. And um, instead of dodgeballs, because it was indoors, they gave us these, and maybe the older people might know what these were, these like red and black Nerf spiral footballs. Right. And uh, that was our, our weapon of choice. So we got to throw those things. And I was just like hurling them at people. And I was just like hitting them left and right. <laughs> and um, I was catching, so because I was smaller and, and quicker, they made me the medic, but I was the only medic that was not afraid to throw. And I remember loving that duality, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to revive my teammates, but I'm also going to fight too. And I just remember just pegging people left and right and just loving every every minute of it. So that's more or less like the first experience of dodgeball for me. And that was in fourth grade? Yeah, that was fourth grade. And, and then the the stuff the parking lot stuff I mean that was that was much later I'm assuming yeah yeah so what I was saying earlier like you know I'm tired I hate my job I hate my life and just so sad but then I just that that the first ball flew past my face just released all these pent up endorphins and I just like I love this game and I'm I'm wearing like you know cargo pants and a t-shirt and definitely not wow. dressed the way people dress for dodgeball now. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect, but just that rush of, uh, of moving out of the way, of hitting people, of tagging people back in, and just laughing again. I know that sounds really dark and sad, but um, that, that my first, I guess, real or continuous dodgeball experience was just immersed in endorphins of, of just being happy. So, would you, 
would you say that that was the inception of dodgeball in tucson and if so around when 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 are we talking about are we talking about 2004 2003 2000 oh yeah so it was, it was absolutely the the inception of dodgeball it was february 2004 ish okay. right before uh-huh. the movie launched ironically oh wow interesting and this was in Tucson, right? Yep. This was at the University of Arizona Integrated Learning Center. And how, how quickly did the dodgeball community in Tucson grow? Were you guys able to continue playing on a week on a weekly basis? And, and, and did it sort of, how can you tell me a little bit more about sort of, um, briefly, of course, but about sort of the growth of dodgeball in, 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 in Arizona? Like, where, where's the connection with Phoenix? Is it? Okay. Yeah. So like the, the evolution of Tucson? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so we, we started at the uni- uh, U of A, um, 20, 30 mass unsanctioned people. Uh, movie came out. We adopted those rules instead, which I hated at first, but they made games go by a lot quicker. Um, we exploded to about 50 people, and then sometime in, I want to say, summertime, July, August, a little fuzzy, of 2004, um, we were kicked out. Uh, campus security, who would sometimes actually play with us, it was, it was hilarious. Um, they would join in when they could, but once we got too big, they're like, "Hey, we're so sorry, guys. You gotta, you gotta get out of here. You don't have sanctioning. You're, you're, you don't have insurance. All these adult words that we didn't really know about back then. Uh, wow. We got kicked out. So um, we were dry for a couple of weeks, and then um, I think it was Logan found P- uh, the Pima Community College West Campus tennis courts. Um, not too much further, but um, they were well lit. Um, instead of being able to play from like eight to three in the morning, we could only play from like um, like seven to ten, and uh, kind of start over. So like of that fifty, you know, maybe ten or fifteen made that migration. Uh, this is where like people like Mason and Dylan would would show up. At least people that still kind of play or have some kind of weird um, presence in, in some of the minds of us older guys. Um, right. We're developing our skill, so to speak, and in conjunction with this, um, a sports park uh, did the first of the many, you know, movie wave riding dodgeball leagues, and so we we played in that one. And um, because we were like this weird group of crazy kids, uh, we all were black. Um, <laughs> and I hope this doesn't get taken the wrong way. Um, our, our our team name was called the Shattered Dreams because when we first showed up. Um, Half of us worked at Target. One guy came from Albertsons. Another guy came from like just straight out construction work. And we're just like, just just having fun with it. We're like, oh, we're the shattered dreams because you know we're we're not working in jobs that we like or doing stuff that we like. So it was funny. But the next week we wore all black. And then somebody called us Team Columbine. And then oh, I was wow. like, oh, that's that's not good. Um, no, we're we're gonna give ourselves a real name. And we decided to call ourselves Team Evil. Um, Wow. And that's from Shaolin Soccer. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie, but they, Shaolin Soccer, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, I think it's from the same people that made Kung Fu Hustle, same style. Uh-huh. And um the the good team is obviously whatever team it was, and the bad team was like this anti team, Cobra Kai, all black, evil people, and they just like said from just straight up call them team evil. So when we saw that movie, it's like, hey, that's our new dodgeball team name and that stuck. Um and as this was happening, you know, we would we play open gym at or we play open dodgeball at the Pima Community West College campus. Then we'd go to the the league, and then we'd come back kind of as this is gonna sound super cheesy, kind of like as heroes, like all oh, the the good players. Uh, there's like a ascension in the ranks. Like you start playing open, and then you ascend to Team Evil. That's where everybody wanted to be. Right. And um, 
I think we made it through two seasons. Um, and as this was happening, now we're in 2005. Um, about February, same thing happened, unfortunately. Campus police is like, hey, you guys are too, like, we're at 70 people now at this point. And like, you guys can't be here. You're unsanctioned. You're unlicensed. You don't have insurance. Uh, you got to go. And um, that was really depressing because we thought we were done. It's like, we can't, how do we fight this? And so I remember just saying, you know what, F this. Uh, I'm done being treated like a child, even though I'm 20, 21 at this time. I'm going to go find out what this sanctioning crap is and what it costs to actually have insurance and make sure that we don't go through these problems again uh, should we find a venue and one of our community one of our dodgeball community members found a venue for us it was at his local church and mm-hmm. so we actually paid um i think it was like 20 dollars a night to host dodgeball then this was still saturday nights um but that and that's when i decided okay i'm, I'm gonna find out insurance and sanctioning and as this was happening that's when the ndl came into the picture that's when dodgeballer.com the forum the message board started showing up and and people were starting to cash in a little bit more on the movie wave by offering these like national entities. And so I got super excited for that. Right. And, um, but by then you guys already have two, two years of experience under your belt roughly. Yeah. At least, at least of dodgeball experience. And then th- I think there was one tournament that we had, um, yeah, 2005, uh, it was at blade world, which you've been to, it's now called Tucson indoor sports center. Um, we had a first tournament there. And back when I was saying about, you know, team evil being looked at as like the heroes, um, everybody went to this tournament to watch us play and it was it was just incredible watching so many people cheering for us was something that um i don't feel like myself or a lot of the actual players ever felt when it came to those that may may have not played team sports like i'm I'm used to at this time i was used to people watching me play baseball and all that other crap when i grew up but uh to, to feel people cheering for you was was so exciting and invigorating kind of just like bolstered are you talking about the tournament that we went to oh no this was uh a year prior actually um okay yeah so a lot lot happened that year but um the whole thing really kind of just got us so excited and so hyped for for vegas um because at this point now the dwc one's happening we're getting all this momentum we're getting tons of people playing dodgeball and um you know as we talked about in the og panel the dwc went the way it did um so did the the following you know summertime you guys came down, um, and and I think you, if you recall, like a lot of those faces that you that you played against, or a lot of those bodies, were people that have been playing since two thousand four. So, the right. uh, the originals kind of stuck it out for a while, and then um, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's it, it's it kind of speaks to why Mason is as crazy good as he as he used to be. Why Dylan would catch virtually anything. Um, I'm not gonna talk about myself, but why I was okay. But uh, you know, it was it was a lot built up just to that level um and and right. so and the reason why i bring up and i'm glad you brought up that tournament was um a gentleman by the name of michael carrington came in to that tournament played for like the rabid mongoose or the gray mongoose or something and he had been playing in az dodgeball which was started by sam pewitt um as a recreational league okay and uh mind you there wasn't you know we didn't really have much myspace communications back then if people want to know like what it was like to actually have to communicate with people through email and and sometimes picking up the phone and calling but somehow um me and michael introduced met each other uh during the tournament and we once the tournament was done you guys won went back to san diego guys went back to phoenix me and michael uh went back and forth a lot and he said there's this thing called the grand canyon state games that just started dodgeball they already had their first event uh they're going to do their summer one 
uh, would Team Evil be willing to come out and check it out? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we took out we took Team Evil out there. This is the first time we went to Phoenix to play in a tournament. So we're ma- making big, big, big steps here by by leaving our little area and comfort zone. Uh, we ended up taking second. Um, I talked with Mike some more, and he said, I'm thinking about helping run the Grand Canyon State Games because in going back and forth between him and Ed and him and the GCA, uh, GSCG, they, he wanted to bring something a little more competitive into Arizona. And so, again, trying to, trying to keep this as short as possible, he, uh, he's ultimately responsible for making the Grand Canyon State Games what it is in 2007 when you guys came down and there was a bunch of teams there. The right. competition and, and presentation was just so much more on point. That's when people from uh, L.A. started coming down. That's when Arizona started taking two or three teams at a time. And um, a- as this is happening, you know, we're still doing Saturday Night Dodgeball at the church. Um, it's, except at this point, there are more kids now playing. And by kids, I mean like actual like children, like like 14-year-olds and, and lower. Um, a lot of the adults kind of lost interest. Or you know, if they weren't on a competitive team, they weren't really there um, perpetually. So in, in a, in a sad sense, it kind of fizzled out towards 2007. Um, so there was this dead area between 2007 and nine where open dodgeball was kind of struggling. I really didn't have my, my heart in this whole thing. I was kind of just over it. Um, and I went to the, in 2008, I joined the air force. Um, and that didn't really help because once I left and I came back, you know, three months later after training, I was just, my eyes were just set on other stuff. But, um, again, 2009, um, Michael Carrington called me up and Jackie actually and said, Hey, we're starting Phoenix dodgeball. Would you guys be interested in bringing a team up here? And just like that one night when Logan called me, I was like, no, I'm over dodgeball. This is dumb. And, uh, but I went cause at that time me and Michael Carrington were pretty close. And, um, you know, if he's saying something's worth checking out, it's, it's worth checking out. So we go there and, and almost like the same exact thing. Somebody threw a ball in my face, it missed. And just that wave of holy crap i love this game came over right. me and uh yeah so that kind of kind of in a way hopefully summarizes like how tucson and phoenix merged um yeah, after no, that yeah after after that um and after- it also i think it also tells an important story about how about you know the growth of the sport in a particular area how i mean at least i know in san diego and, and <clears throat> i've heard uh from other people is that you know you start off just playing anywhere you can go Yep. Um, and, and often, you know, you're chased off, uh, you know, private or public property and it's, it's sort of hard getting a start, but then it grows and then you find some organization, you find structure, you find a place to go and play at and, and what you were able to do in there and, and Tucson and then sort of reach out and, and establish that connection with Phoenix was, was instrumental because I know at least from our point of view, the 8.5 scene was so, so big in Arizona. That was where it was at. And what you guys were able to do in Arizona, you being one of those key figures was, was really impressive. And, and in addition to the NDL was, was really the only other place to, to go and get, you know, to, to go and, and, and play some really good talent. Um, so that's great. That's great that you're telling the story was, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you, were you going to continue on Oh, no worries. I mean, I, I can, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to go down rabbit holes. Cause as you said, like even, I mean, AZ dodgeball has its own story. Phoenix dodgeball absolutely has its own story. Right, right. And, um, all I was going to say though, was like, once I came back that night from that, that tournament, cause I had, you know, an hour and a half drive to come back to Tucson thinking about, holy crap, I gotta, I gotta rebuild Tucson. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what we did. We, we reached out to some people that were, you know, interested in, in leagues at first. Um, 
and again, making this as quickly as possible, from 2009 to 2013, we had a solid four-season league with eight teams maxed out, sometimes nine. And that's where you saw some of the players, like, um, again, speeding up a little bit, but that's where you saw, like, Brett Baxter coming into the, into the fray and Stephanie. Right. And um, somehow I'm, I'm blanking names, but... This is happening in Phoenix, yes? This is happening in Tucson. Oh, Tucson, Tucson. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. And so what would happen, though, is going back again to that mentality of Team Evil being, you know, like the local heroes and, and like what you want to ascend to, other teams like the Rock and Rollas, the Berserkers were stepping up and, and wanting to get into these Phoenix leagues and also the Grand Canyon State games. They would they would go, they would play, they would see that there's so much more dodgeball outside of the YMCA in Tucson. They would see Phoenix, then they go to these, uh, these tournaments, I think, like I said, the Grand Canyon State games and, and see that there's so much more out there than just Phoenix. Right. And um, for you know, for the, for the people that really wanted more when it came to dodgeball, they can go get that. When they found out there was Vegas, when they found out um, again, kind of cutting the short, elite and other stuff. Like it's like okay, cool. I can I can play. I can practice. I can be like Chris Bell. I can be like Brett. I can be like Doug. I can be like Mason. If I work at it, and I can have all these awesome tournaments ahead of me. And so we kind of just created this like little feeder system. And um, yeah, I mean that's again kind of paraphrasing it as much as I could without getting too crazy into the the details here but yeah that's uh that's a a wonderful story and 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 and, um you know I want to I want to highlight that you among some other people were you know some of the key figures in in making sure that the sport cultivated in Arizona in the way it did and it's really um you know it always takes a few people who sort of take the lead um make sure that you know things are ran in in the right way and, and in the best way and of course it's a learning process but you guys were able to stick with it and and, and you were able to grow something that's truly you know very impressive and important uh, for the sport today so that's uh great to hear that story let's let's actually go back a little bit further and and, oh. and just ask some, some more pointed biographical questions and i want to ask about what sports you played growing up uh sure um so i played baseball growing up um starting when i was like four or five with t-ball going all the way up to uh to high school freshman year um i said i'm I'm done playing this crap i hate this game (laughs) there's nothing fun about it um played golf a lot uh it's been beaten into me so um i have my parents to thank for that um did karate for a while um ed parker kempo karate system for about four years when i was younger um Which one would you say was uh, the most helpful in terms of cultivating dodgeball skills? Um, obviously baseball. Um, I did pitch for a while, played second base, left field. Um, but oddly enough, I think karate. Um, again, I don't want to sound like a jerk or, or, or cocky or any, by any means, but I feel like I have a lot of control of my motor functions. And I think that was just because at a very early age, um, five or six, I was doing kata and, and other martial arts forms and you know karate is very rigid it's not flashy and circular like kung fu is but it teaches you awareness like okay if i'm gonna kick i got a plant on my left heel or on the ball of my left foot and there's a four point motion to my right foot extending you know i'm not just going straight up like you know xyz kind of kick or whatever um and it just instills a lot of discipline uh for kids and so I feel like that started like how okay I'm I'm not throwing the way I want to what am I doing wrong let me think about what my body is actually doing here instead of going all kinds of crazy spastic and right. um, 
I picked it back up in high school or just after high school. That's when I took Kung Fu. That's when I took Tai Jitsu for a little while. Um, so I think honestly, between just lo- learning the mechanics of throwing with football and baseball and supplementing it with martial arts and just control the body, I feel at least from, from what I can say from my experience has helped with dodgeball a ton. Golf being completely useless in a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get the uh, I didn't get a, a good appreciation for golf until last year in Georgia, and that was just understanding what it's like to actually focus on on the ball. Plus, throwing golf carts and and beer, and then it's okay. But yeah, it, if you if you if you if you mix it in, if you sprinkle a little bit of that, it, it makes it a bit more exciting. Just, yeah, exactly. I see. Maybe maybe dodgeballers will. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but. I see myself doing something like golf when I'm maybe 50 or 60. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like the it's like the retirement sport for sure. Yeah, yeah. And 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 perhaps not, maybe not even then. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> okay, so um okay, great. So you played a lot of baseball, karate, both of those two helped you out with your um with with your skills in dodgeball. If you had to sum up your style of play in a, in, in a few words, what would you what would you call it? Would you say it's more defensive, offensive, uh, like think... throwing more, catching? Tell 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 the uh, listeners a little bit about your style of play. Tell us all your secrets so we know what to do against you on the court. I think people already know what to do against me. To be <laughs> honest, <laughs> somebody came up to me one time and said, "Oh yeah, Steve, I, I knew I would get you out. I think it was you actually because I watch you on film and you never move your right foot." And I was like, "I don't understand how you hit me. I moved everything but my right foot, and then you wow. come and tell me that." Um, That's funny. Yeah, and that I was like, "Oh, I guess uh, maybe I shouldn't be so predictable," but. Um, assuming I actually have skills, um, now I'm more defensive, uh, as I get older and also because I'm not so hardcore crazy to throw and dump all the balls I have before, you know, catch them in pine or running me down. So I would say now it's more conservative than it used to be. Um, okay. but it also, it also kind of changes. I noticed that with Titan, I was definitely more of a support role because I mean, what are you going to do when you've got catch them as your main cannon? And then right. when Justin Acton actually shows up, calling you out, Justin, um, you got another amazing cannon, and then you got Brett. So you know I'm only there to like feed balls or help deflect or block. And so, but when I moved to grit, I found myself, especially during nationals, throwing a lot more. So I would like to say I'm more of a utility player, but I lean more towards defensive conservatism, if that's a style at all. Would you say? So I noticed that you also said that. Um that initially you hadn't been so conservative as you are now, would you attribute that to just, you know, having to adapt with the fact that you have been, the fact that all of us have been growing older or, or would you attribute it to, to um, maybe more so related to the evolution of the sport needing to incorporate more strategy, more sort of thoughtfulness and making decisions on, on the court. What, what, what would you say was sort of the impetus to that change? Nice word. Um, well, we started playing open gym in mass. So, I mean, as many balls as we can get at Walmart, any style didn't matter, as many bodies as we can get in the court. So it was like little Braveheart style fighting where you had no idea who's thrown at you. Uh-huh. You don't know how long you're going to survive. So you might as well just go balls of all crazy. Um, and that definitely kind of, and it's funny because people would comment about how Tucson players were far more aggressive and just didn't really calculate or, or we would get so frustrated when Phoenix would play because they were, much more deliberate in their actions. We hated that. They would slow the game down so much and it drove us crazy until we finally realized as the evolution of, of dodgeball competition grew, you had to be really careful with what you do. Like there's, even now, people still struggle with ball control, 
but my God, like, did we really not understand that concept for a very long time? Um, And so for me, you know, I think I've adapted pretty well to the structure and rhythm of how a dodgeball game goes. Um, What makes me play more conservative, though, is the fact that I'm always missing dodgeball. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that you're what? That I'm always missing dodgeball. Uh, The military has pulled me away from dodgeball so many times. I feel like I... I go on these hiatuses that kind of just they're, uh, they're ups and downs and so by the time I actually look, like feel like I'm good at something again something's going to come up where like oh you, you, you have to miss this tournament or you have to not play for these next two weeks or you have to go away for this next three months or so and so I feel like I'm always like trying to catch up to where I used to be so I know that that makes me definitely way more conservative than, than how I used to be in the past um, yeah yeah <clears throat> Well, it certainly doesn't notice on the court, Steve, I rest assured. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's more so in your head than, than it is uh, in practice. Um, and, and, and the reason I ask that question is because I know personally speaking, I've had to, yes, of course, you know, there are the strategic considerations and sort of thinking about, you know, playing a bit more conservatively than, you know, the way we used to play back in the day where we would just kind of, you know, throw balls without, um, you know, thinking about what, you know, the, re- the larger repercussions would be. Um, but I know personally speaking, I've had to adapt my, um, style of play, um, as I've grown older, simple things like, you know, not being able to do the splits in the air or, you know, making sure that I don't do specific moves because, you know, I don't want to trigger like an old injury or or whatnot. And I know personally speaking, you know, I would, I would be, I would be lying to say that I haven't, um, adjusted my, my game, um, to sort of accommodate, um, you know, just the fact that I'm growing older and there are some things that I can't do. But I think it also makes, you know, you, you make it up by, you know, thinking about the game more strategically and, and, and doing other things on the court. So I was just kind of curious if, if you've noticed any of that on your end. Yeah, no, definitely. And and two points. So um, you can tell how more conservative you and, and I think even uh, Tim and Jim have become. When you look at our little good versus evil showdown, in 2006, <laughs> none of us knew what the freak we were doing. And right. it's, just, it's just like, it's every man's game. Hey, I've got a stinger. I'm going to throw consequences. Be darned. Don't care. It was just a chaotic mess. But look at Rise now. Holy crap. You would not be caught dead doing half the stuff that you did. So it's definitely that. And then when it comes to like bodily control, preservation for f- the future, I mean, there, there are times when I'll do stuff um, and I'll wonder, like, am I going to get up from this? Like, did I tear something? I don't feel anything that's, that, that okay, I think I'm good, so I'm going to keep playing now. Um, yeah, so that, that definitely does uh, go through my mind when I'm, when I'm, when I'm playing. So, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right there. Another thing that actually comes to mind now that we're talking about it is before I used to, on the rush, run as hard as I can, uh, even during round robin. But now I have, you know, the thought of, okay, well, let's try to preserve my knees for a little bit while longer. <laughs> yep. And so I'll only run as hard as I can during elimination, uh, during bracket play. Little things like that we have to start thinking about, it, at least from my point of view. For sure. Yeah, no, and um, Eric Tillman, like, he, he, he nailed this. Uh, he said, you know, as he was getting towards his mid-30s, he was kind of getting, like, his, he called it, like, the second coming, like, where he had, like, another like apex of play but it was more calculated it was more deliberate I, I think he even used that word and it was just very like okay I can go crazy right now burn myself out like this young kid's doing or I can just wait for him to make a mistake throw that surgical throughout his knee as he's you know following through this throw and then he's done and I'm still in and I expended no power cells at all like it's 
it's definitely something that comes with matureness as well. Absolutely. So what would you say is your favorite style of ball? 8.5 rubber. Uh, let's, let's Double get ply. Into, let's get into some controversy, Steve. <laughs> let's spice this interview up a bit. No spice, no controversy at all. 8.5 is the way to go. You are one to love controversy. <laughs> a controversial figure. And 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 let's uh, let's dive right into that. Uh, 8.5. Um, double ply, red rubber. All except blue, all except green. Yellow is okay, <laughs> but... My man. Yep. And, and uh, what's that? Make your case in front of the whole dodge right here before the whole dodgeball community. Why, why would you say 8.5 is your favorite style of play? Honestly, it's what I grew up as. I mean, in another parallel universe, uh, we're both talking about how great foam is. Um, I think it's just uh, we're victims of our, of our upbringing. Um, like I said, that when I was a kid, that 8.5 kickball was a staple of my youth and that's just that was always just what we used for dodgeball there was no other no other foam no other let's 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 be afraid of bruising people nonsense that that we're kind of um getting into nowadays but um yeah it's, it's 8.5 it's just you actually feel like you're throwing something you can control it better and when you catch it it's way well hold on now when you catch it i was gonna say it's way more satisfying but sometimes catching those stupid little foam balls is more satisfying for me personally, but there's yeah. just. Yeah. I think I think it's more satisfying in those moments because it's it's it's, it's more shocking. Yeah, it's like get over here, you stupid little physics defined <laughs> thing. But like you know, when, when somebody, I mean, everybody still stops when somebody catches a hard throw from Allen or Ketchum or Pyan. Like the the room, you can hear the room just go, <gasps> and that person is like, I caught this amazing ball that probably hurt a lot, and I'm gonna cough up blood later. But that's that's just like the oomph of of dodgeball, so. Yeah, that, that's that's eight point five, and I'll stand by it until I can't play anymore. And I think I think what you said um, is is certainly the case for a lot of people. I know personally speaking, it does have a lot to do with my upbringing. You mm-hmm. know, eight point five was what I was introduced to. Uh, is how I was introduced to dodgeball, and it was sort of it's something that has stuck ever since. Um, but of course, you know, there are those few people that, or many, I don't know, I'm just kind of generalizing here, I guess, at this point, but there are those people who start with with one particular style of ball and then switch over to something else and end up loving it more. But um, but I think that's a valid argument, you know, the upbringing argument, and, and for your case, um, certainly happens to be so. Um, what would you say is, if you had to rank them, can we, can we kind of dive down the controversy hole a little bit deeper, <laughs> if you had um. to rank them? Yeah, if I had to rank them, I mean, obviously 8.5 and then very, 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 very distant second. Um, I'm going to say foam now. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened. Um, I think I... Right? What's that? It's grown on you. It's pretty big in AZ, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and that's kind of why it's grown on me so much. Um, and I could complain about, oh, everybody can throw foam or it's so easy now. Everybody has an arm. But the the... The truth is, like, if you want to get better, you have to shut up and step up. And right. um, while I do like nosing a lot, it, it has a lot of same characteristics as as 8.5, but the challenge of foam is something I'm really starting to just open myself up to. And um, I don't know what happened, but I was able to actually catch a few at the LA Classic, and I think I got over like, my little mental thing of, hey, just, just try to catch it instead of trying to understand how foam works. And... Um, I came back to an open gym a couple of weeks ago and I was, I was catching a lot on purpose and that's like, Oh, okay. Like this is what progression feels like. I missed this. Um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna say foam a second now, and then no sting. And then um, and then after no sting cloth. I don't acknowledge anything other than those three. <laughs> I'll go to rocks instead, or just yeah. fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you made the transition into elite and what that was like for you. Um, because I know that, you know, you, you, you've talked about your sort of the role that you played and your experience in, in the growth of the sport in Arizona and then sort of establishing that link with the NDL. Um, but tell me about the transition from the NDL, I'm guessing, and from, you know, dodgeball and AZ into the elite. What was that like for you? Um, it's like being born again. <laughs> uh, so again, I'm just gonna not trying to advertise the OG panel, but just if you want more details on why um, the NDL was done, um, in my opinion, in 2013, it was, it was on its way down after 2010, after um, shameless plug, Rampage won the world championship for 8.5. And um, it, it as it was getting worse and worse, um, when I went to 2013, it was just, abysmal it was just just bad um and it really really struck a sad chord to me because i thought wow this thing that we've been going to for well over you know six seven eight nine years these people that have been seen are not coming back and I, am i witnessing what i've always witnessed um back in the day where dodgeball has up and then it has its down and with a league it's easy it's easy to go back and, and start over and recruit but with a national governing entity especially the only one there going down you're like crap like this this was a fad like there's no way all this was just a fad it, it was really depressing but enter elite and what uh you know mark and vince were doing um as early as 2011 which i was never able to make because of again military obligations and whatnot when mark had the 2013 west regional where we had four um in april uh, the one that kicked off in april I felt that like that hope, um, especially when I saw the dudes from Adrenaline Rush, like seeing Tim Poon again for the first time in years, seeing Troy um, Egling, and then seeing Glenn Spacer. Um, you know, I, I didn't know him personally, but I, but I knew of him, and just seeing them coming out, I was like, if a team from Texas is going to come out to this, who else would? And so, going into Elite 2013, after that tournament, I was like, I will go to every single Elite that I humanly can because this is the future. It may not be the NDL. 2000, you know, six to 2010 golden years, but it's a start and I'm all aboard. Um, so transitioning wasn't even a question. Okay. The courts are a little bit smaller. Fine. Like, I don't care. Like, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. Dodgeball gods for, for giving us a second wind. Cause, uh, I feel like, um, had there not been anyone to step in, we, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation anymore. It, there'd be no dodgeball, <clears throat> at least in a competitive sense. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, that speaks, that speaks to, I mean, you're, you, you've been around since the very beginning. You, you went to the very first NDL, I'm guessing, right? In, oh, yeah. In 2005. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so you are one of the key people in, in, you know, in terms of like being able to trace that long history. And, and if, I under, if I heard you correctly, it sounds like you're, you're tracing to sort of plug you into the conversation we had uh, with the OG panel. Would you say the sort of the turning point for the NDL was around 2011? Yeah, that's when it started to, to, to dip. Um, and I'm not going to... It's hard to... I don't want to ascribe certain characteristics to, to Ed, but just from like who turned out and how the numbers like shrunk 
that's mm-hmm. when you could tell it was on the down. Right. Now, some of the things that it was doing, some of the controversial stuff that we got into, that was maybe 2012 and, and beyond at that point. But that 2010, I feel, is like when we had the most players, the most teams, the most diversity. Um, you know, 2011, we were, that's when we started broken up into those pools. We were playing against four other teams, uh, two right. of them being from our own dang region. It's like, oh, cool, I'm so glad I shelled all this money and came all the way out here to play against... Uh, sin, seven deadly sins from from Tucson or from Phoenix. Like that's definitely when it when it took its way down. I I, I agree with you. I think when Elite uh, came into the picture, I think your characterization of sort of feeling like you were reborn again, um, reborn is 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 a good one because I did sort of have this uh, shared this sort of pessimistic overall feeling about, you know, where's the sport going to go? What, what, what do we have next? You can sort of sense a decline with this organization. And then next thing you know, elite comes and, and you feel reinvigorated, right? Yeah. Not only that, but you have a reason to, to go home and, and work out or go home and practice and compete again. Like once you lose that, that is a very scary, devastating feeling when that fire is no longer there or not even yeah. that, like just, you, you don't have anything to do with that fire. That's, I feel like, that that's just a very thing that just terrifies me. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, so tell us about uh the elite. Um what team do you play for? What teams have you played for? Um some probably I would hope still best known for Team Evil. Um as I said, mm-hmm. tracing our roots all the way back to 2004 when we played as originally the Shattered Dreams. Uh, uh and that was and this is where you and I fundamentally differ when it came to captaining teams. And this is one of the things where I always thought about, I could go full surge and Tim and Jim, or I can continue doing what I'm doing. That's playing with my friends. Um, and we all know how well that turned out. But for <laughs> me, um, and that's, that's you know, I, I, I jab at myself for that, but at the same time, I, I, I'd probably do it again in a heartbeat. Um, uh-huh. There's something about playing with people that you kind of grew up with, with like Mason, um, and Dylan and people that just want to play on your team because they like you as a human being. They want they. It's just like not to sound weird, but they just want to be near you. Like there was something about that that I just. I wish I could bring that further. I wish I could show them what winning felt like. Um, right. Going back to growing up as a kid, you know, I you know I played on championship baseball teams. I I did, competed in karate and and I have no shortage of winning trophies and medals. Um, but to be able to share that with other people, that was something new. Um, at least people I really cared about. Um, so, so being able to hear people to this day say Team Evil is a staple. Team Evil is, has so much history. So many people played on Team Evil. There's, there's a reason for that. Um, but that ended in 2014. Once I realized, in order for me to be competitive, um, actually, let me back up. We took a break from Team Evil and formed Rampage, and that was because uh, we were so tired of you guys coming in and stealing our dang gold medals from the Grand Canyon State Games. And I was tired of taking this team of, we have our A squad, but you know, four of these people can't make it, so we'll just take whoever can go with us. It didn't, at that point, when it came to going to the NDL, it wasn't even about trying to win, it was just about the experience and sharing and, and reliving the memories from new perspectives and seeing people go, holy crap, there's so much dodgeball out there, I'm so excited. Um, so that, that's what, where I went from captaining a team to probably just more of a mentor role, like, hey, son, check this out. There's there's another world out there. But um, 2009, we took a break. Um, Bill Fair reached out to myself and Jackie. We took up Mason. Eventually, we stole Chris from Monsoon, and we formed Rampage. And that was the first time I played on an actual competitive team where we had one mission, 
and that was <laughs> to win. Um, and it, it's it's so silly what happens when a team rallies amongst one cause and commits to it fully. And I got to experience that with Rampage. Loved that was it. A squad. It was a great squad for its time. Um, <clears throat> and it was uh, as much of the success that we had, there was still a lot of fun that was had. But then going back to where you and I differ, I wanted to share that with my Team Evil guys who didn't get to be a part of Rampage, and so I left. So yeah. then we went on to 2014, and then just kind of kind of stopped after that. Formed Titan, which was like uh, kind of like a hybrid of Team Evil, some of the more, I want to say, reliable guys um, that could make it. And um, that ran from 20, 2015 to 2017. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make the 2017 Elite, and then most recently playing for Grit, which was um, me and Hooch from Arizona. The rest were really awesome Cali guys, captained by um, On Fawn. And um, I hate to air it now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have this conversation before this is released. I'm going to be leaving for an Arizona team. So you're going to? Oh wow! Okay. Yep. Going well, back that, to. That's a juicy bit of information. Yeah. And, uh, the only reason I'm what's what's that? Is it okay with you if we explore that a little bit more? Yeah, feel free. So, so you heard it here uh, for the first time. Steve Damon is going <laughs> to play with some more AZ players. Tell us a little bit more about who these players may be, if you don't mind sharing with sharing that with us. And and you guys have a team name. What's going on with it? Yeah. Meanwhile, most people are like, who cares? Just fast forward to the funny questions. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be playing with Headhunters, um, unless something stupid happens, oh, which, um, uh, yeah, Nate Evans uh, reached out to me. He said he and Brian Armand want to get the some of the squad back together. And then going back to that thing where, again, I'm not trying to humble brag by any means, but I've already, when it comes to dodgeball, yeah, an elite championship would be amazing. Um, but that's not why I play. That's not why I go for it. I go for the experience and the shared collective fun that we can all have while competing and if we do win great if we don't it's not the end of the day um so when people like brian who i've known for a very long time uh nate evans who i play with and against for a very long time come up to me uh -huh. and say hey do you want to hop on with us um even though I'm, I'm leaving something really awesome with grit um sometimes i do tend to pull or sway more towards those, those emotional tugs and so um, if I get to participate in Brian Armand's last year of playing, um, awesome. I'm, I'm totally down for that. So there'll be That's a... It's glad to hear uh, guys like Brian and Nate are coming back. Um, yeah. No, and, we'll see. And the head, you, you never played for the Headhunters in the past, right? No, I used to hate them, actually, because they... That was strictly a Phoenix team. Yep. Up. Yeah, they, were, uh, they became our Rampage rivals for a while, and... Um, I mean, I don't go for people's heads too often, so I don't like being associated with that. So it's ironic that I'm playing on, on their team now, uh, wearing that as my, my name. But um, it should be fun. Like I said, it's, it's, it's more about the experience at this point than it is uh, winning. If we win, great. If not, um, like I said, I, I'll be more than happy to send Brian off. Uh, he's been a homie for me the whole, this whole time. So yeah, I'm glad to be a part it's of that. Gonna You're going to have a lot of fun with that team. Yeah, and also another reason why I'm leaving Grid is because I'm gonna miss yay the first two rounds this year. So mm -hmm. last year was uh, very fortunate; I got to make as many of the elites as I could then. But military takes precedent, so or precedent. Mm -hmm. So precedent. Uh, I'll be there for the last round and for nationals, but I'll be there as a headhunter unless something crazy well, happens. Squad besides Brian and Nate. Uh, 
I'm going to hold off on that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Mostly because I think that's more of a Tribune article that I want to like offer sure. up to our captain before you know I start airing out our our intent. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, to a certain extent, I'm asking for for personal reasons so I can go back and report. Yeah, another reason why I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, Steve. That's fair. So tell me about your number. Uh, what what what's your number and, and why? Do, I know that a lot of people are very focused on numbers and you know there's sort of a story behind it. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So um, eight has always been there with me. Um, when I was four, this is gonna sound wild, but when I was four. I remember playing um, Super Mario Brothers a lot because I was a spoiled little kid and I had a Nintendo. Um, and I just remember this one time I got like seven extra lives and, and when the little black screen shows this is how many lives you have and it showed like the, the number eight. It just looks so like just nice. Just two circles. Uh-huh. Just at, For some reason it reminded me of an ice cream sandwich. I don't know why but ever since then that uh-huh. image has been burned into my memory. Um, so I've always kind of had a, a weird thing for eight but... Um, going into high school um you know the the typical thing is to like the number seven because it's lucky and um i uh so cheesy there's a there's a girl i really had a huge crush on in high school who um who favored the number seven i was like oh that's my way in i'm gonna like the number seven also um (laughs) didn't work out but what did work out was i guess you can call my high school sweetheart from the latter part of junior year to through senior year and and I think like my first year of, of freshman college, if you want to call it that, when I attempted college. And she wore the number eight. She played softball. She's a freaking amazing pitcher and athlete. And so um, when I played football for the one semester I did, I wore the number eight. Um, I just adapted it as, as, as my own because like, oh, this is the girl that likes me, so I'm going to wear her number. I like her number. Uh-huh. And then ever since then, uh, just, you know, like whenever you think of something, you see it everywhere. That That's just how eight came to be. Um, huh. For some people that know or have ever heard the term Octocorp, it came from eight. Um, I'm just a huge fan of it now. And I've been wearing that ever since. Oh, interesting. So so you have an unusual story with the number. Usually, you know, people, you know, pick a favorite player and some 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 sport and and run with it. But yours started with Mario Kart. Start with Mario Kart as just like pre-inception um, was solidified and, and owned uh, because of a girlfriend of mine. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. As a side note, Steve, you know I've, I've met I've never met a person who can beat me at Mario Kart on the original Nintendo system. Oh, okay. First of all, uh, it's Super Mario Brothers. It was like like the original eight bit oh, Mario okay. and and Green Mario two player thing. That's all you can do. Mario Kart though, challenge accepted. Challenge, yes. I, I will. I, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm still as good as I was, but back in the day, at my prime, uh, I was I was quite the uh, competitor in that game. We'll see. <laughs> but um, okay, we'll we'll leave that for another day. Uh, so tell me about your favorite dodgeball memory to date. You've you know you've been <laughs> you've been in the community for a very long time, beginning in 2004 in Arizona, uh, stepping into the national scene in 2005 uh, with the NDL making the transition into the elite, um, you know, 2012-ish, 13. So, I mean, you, you have quite quite the track record. Um, and it's, um, you know, uh, a, a, so it's, you know, you have a lot of experiences from which you can draw. Tell me, tell me, is there one in particular that sticks out that you can say definitively is, you, you know, if not your, 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 your favorite dodgeball memory, at least, you know, a top one? 
Yeah, I mean, as you alluded to, there there are a lot that I hold dear, but uh, one that I don't think I'll ever forget, and it's two part. Um, so October 2011, um, I was activated. Um, long story short, um, my guy, my guys, uh, my squadron was already in Afghanistan. They're already in place, um, and one of the kids who joined the unit at the same time I did, who kind of I don't want to say mentored, but I was like his older brother. He um, he had some kind of like family emergency happen where he had to come home and he needed somebody to take his place. So a lot of people don't know this, but a lot, a lot of the reason why my deployment was so short was because I took his place for him. Um, and I'm only I'm only admitting that because again, if, if people want to talk about it, like it, my time in theater was very short, it was four months, but my time away was six because um, you had to get trained, spun up get actually in a theater and you got to come back. And as this was happening, it was happening so fast. And that's another reason why I was just like up and left one day. I was just gone. Mm -hmm. As it was happening, I went to, after like partying for two nights straight, all these multiple going away parties, uh, I went to Phoenix Dodgeball and I was already just riding so high from the amount of love. I don't want to say fear, but a lot of like, please be safe. A lot of like people just wanted to be near me to make sure that I was going to be safe and okay. Right. Um, it, it was it was incredible. Um, yeah, I'm just like I'm just reliving it right now. But um, I went to Phoenix Dodgeball and uh, I remember playing, and I was like not hungover, but I was just just in a weird kind of mental state where I was just like there, but I wasn't really there. Like you know, like people watch movies and like you hear like that echoing and and stuff just kind of comes in and out of focus. Right. That's like the best way that I can describe it because I'm still trying to grasp what was going to go on. <clears throat> and um, I noticed that every time I looked away from the court, I would see people like huddled or crunched around like this book thing, like they were signing something. Uh -huh. And I was like, that's stupid. Why are people signing waivers this late? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where my mind went. And uh, as, as I continue to play, though, I see that this like, whatever this is that people are signing, it just continues to progress its way through the gym and people like, like everyone's signing it. And then I was like, oh, no, this isn't, no, this couldn't be. And and what it was was a journal where I want to say like a majority of the Phoenix Dodgeball players at the time signed, hey, good luck, be safe, don't die, we miss you, love you. Right. Uh, and I just remember like that feeling of just like, Jesus Christ, man, these people, what did I do to deserve this kind of honor from, from people to, to get this kind of affection of I don't want to sound like I'm like this depressed, like attention-starved individual, but that hit so hard. Uh, man, it was it was enough to just like not bust out crying. I was just like so happy, and um, it sounds like, like one of those moments when when sort of you know the family aspect of of the community really came exactly. Really yeah, it's exactly where I was going with that. It was just it it just really hit on me like or hit me it was like you know what. Yeah, my, seeing my friends and family say goodbye to me is great, but God, I'm so lucky to have this other world of people that I can play dodgeball with and enjoy fun with and, and have memories with. It's like, man, I, I unlock this like secret code where you know this, you're in this group. Unless you play dodgeball, you don't get to be a part of it. And for what people will say about its ups and downs, this was open up. And you know, we we went to bogeys that night, and uh, more people came. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to lose it as soon as I get in that car. And uh, I, I bawled my eyes out when I uh, rode back home with Mason. And 
another thing, another reason why, you know, I'll always side with my friends when it comes to dodgeball is because they, they're there for you when you're the, you're the most vulnerable. And uh, he knew, like, he was like, this is one of those times I can make fun of you, man. Uh, just let it out. And I did. And it was, uh, it was incredible. I'll never forget that. And I'll, I'll never lose sight of that book. It's on my shelf. And I, uh, I don't know if you're listening, but Carrie, thank you for organizing that. Everybody that signed that, you have no idea what that means to me to this day. And um, that was incredible. And so the two part was I'm in theater now. I'm in Afghanistan. And then I get a letter from Serge. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I thought that was part of the book. That's not. It it, it made its way to be part of the book. Um, Okay. I think Jackie or somebody, somehow it came to me late. And I was like. Yeah, I think it was Jackie. Yeah. I was like. First of all, how'd this get here? Secondly, is this kid about to give me the strategy of rise? Do you think I'm going to die out here? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm using this as soon as I, I get a chance and I read it. It's just like... You do a title, title stra- rise strategy, right? Yeah, this rise strategy is like, is this guy like bequeathing this to you? Like, what, what is going on here? Uh, and like, you son of a Like, what'd you say? You're like, oh, the key to, to rise, the strategy is uh, we all throw at the same time or something just so like... <laughs> Uh, it, it made my it made my week and uh, yeah, it was like the most banal point. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like the most like okay. The, the the key to playing dodgeball is hey, just play dodgeball and, and you'll be great. <laughs> I was like, God yeah, dang make, it. Make sure to not get hit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. Um, but then it, it just reminded me of like that that book, and I was like, man, even for like a second, uh, these guys are thinking about me. This is pretty freaking cool. I can't wait to go home. So yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, it's great to think about all of the friendships we've established, and and you know the small little moments that you're talking about now. Oh. Which the moment you're talking about as an example is is truly one of the great things about this sport and this community. It's incredible. Um, even on my darkest days, I don't have to, but sometimes I'll look at that book and be like, shut the f- up, you're good, man. People love you. <laughs> you're 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 very blessed. Knock it that's off. That's great. That's great. That's that's wonderful. So. Um, Looking forward, what um, you know, we've talked about sort of your upbringing. What uh, let's let's pull in some forward-looking questions. What do you what do you want to achieve in dodgeball, as 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 an individual player? And what would you say keeps pushing you to play and to get better? Um, obviously, it'd be nice to win an elite championship. We got really close to the Titan in 2016 with our second place. Um, that was cool. But for me, what what I want to achieve in dodgeball, um, I just want to be my best. Um, you know, and we us old guys, um, maybe you not so much, but you know, we've hinted that we're probably at the twilight of our career right now. But we still want to contend with the youngins. We still want to go out there and 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 be a threat. Um, so what I want to achieve in that regard is just I don't want to go stagnant just yet. Um, okay. I don't know how you measure that. Um, some people look at Tyler's um, top players some people look at medals for me it's just walking away from a tournament saying that was the best I've ever done or I can't believe I just did that or I can't believe I can still move like this or catch like that or throw like that so for me it's just more especially on a personal level like I played like crap today but I know that that's not how I always play mm-hmm. so and that, that kind of goes into your other question where what keeps pushing me to get better um I mean, it's, I love dodgeball and I like playing, so I don't want to spend time in the queue. So if I got to get faster, I'll get faster. If I got to get more endurance, I'll work on that. Um, fortunately being in the military, I have to be in shape anyway. So dodgeball is just like another, another reason to, 
to get after it in the gym and stay stay fit. <clears throat> so it's more so of like um, not so much focusing on you know sort of being the best player or uh, you know one of the best players in the eyes of the community the community at large, but more so um, achieving a sense of you know personal satisfaction, knowing knowing for yourself that you've done the best you can and that you're doing the best you can in order to continue to be a competitor. Yep. Can, can I today beat who I was yesterday? Can I beat who I was last year? Um, one time Justin sent me a picture of, of old me, um, 2011 picture. He's like, I miss that guy. And I was like, whatever. I can mop the floor with that kid right now. Um, and I mean that I know I could, um, he laughed at me. He said, no, you were way better back then. And I was like, Nah, I'm inside his head. I know what I know what his weaknesses are, and I'm a little bit stronger. <laughs> but but that's what I want. I, I want to. Uh, it's it's for those car rides home from the tournament or or open play. Where do I need to quit? No, okay, couldn't. I'm, I'm still good to go. Um, yeah. Again, I don't yeah. know how to, I don't know how to measure that. Maybe one day when I'm just completely just terrible, I'll know. Okay, I've gone as far as I can. But until then, it's getting past those walls. And um, for as much as I gripe about being in slumps, I I actually love them because it keeps me hungry and it keeps me focused and there's no, there's no ability to coast. Um, I mm. think coasting and being content is, is the death of a competitive player and a competitive person. If you're, if you're content, then you're done. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so it sounds like you don't have any intention on quitting anytime soon, or at least not in the near future. Uh, what are you looking forward to in 2018 and beyond? Oh, actually, I think uh, I need to update this question. 2019. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to uh, having a good couple of nights of 2018. And <laughs> uh, 2019, I'm looking forward to just being able to play. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to miss round one and round two, uh, making round three and elite with the team that I think I'm going in with. Um, that's all I need. Everything else is going to be... I'll be just as grateful to to experience as a player. Is, is round three is in uh, Las Vegas this year? Um, is it? I thought it was in San Diego again. No, not San. It's not in San Diego. Oh god, not Vegas. What the? F- oh man, Phoenix, <laughs> um, L.A. Then Vegas. Ugh. Yeah, Vegas, Las Vegas. Maybe San that Vegas. means that Nationals will be in San Diego. I think that's what's going on. You're not the first person to say that. And yeah. I'd be totally down with a, a nice, this time, actual vacation in San Diego. It's it's gorgeous over there, even though I hate the parking. Yeah, no, we can make it happen. It sounds like, yeah, let's make it happen. Mark, why don't you go ahead and start, you know, just working on that. I can help you out. Um, San Diego seems like a good spot. There's a consensus between you and me, Steve. Yeah? Yeah, I think uh, for the movers and shakers, so let's make it happen. San Diego. San Diego it is. You heard so it, it looks like we'll, we'll see you in Vegas, though, for the first time next year. Yeah, unless um, I think we went for the Tribune, maybe. I don't know, after this whole uh, Leaving Grit thing. <laughs> but uh, at the very least, I'll, I'll definitely see you in Vegas. Okay. Great. Well, looking forward to it for sure. Definitely. All right. Um, I think we can go ahead and transition into the crowdsource questions. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a, lot there's a lot of them that are that are actually really good. So, 
I think we should budget some time for these. Um, for sure. I, I have them broken up into sections. And so the first section um, is, is more focused on the podcast. And the first one um, uh, that I have here prepared for you is, uh, uh, it was, is Dominic Borgia's. So he asks, what made you want to do a podcast? What has been your favorite interview so far? And has doing the podcast changed? So that's a pretty loaded question. Let's start with the first one. What made you want to do a podcast? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I don't know if you remember, but 2013 after the California pinch throwdown, showdown, down, down, I don't know what it was, but we played pinch and uh, you, but me, I, what's that? Well, I'm just trying to think of the tournament. Um, yeah, it was in was December. It, it wasn't throwdown, it was... Um, showdown? Was it showdown? Dodgeball something. Something that, yeah. that Mark put on for the pinchers. It was supposedly Chris Bell's retirement uh, tournament. Oh, the, the California State Games. Yeah, there we go. Something like there that, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, talk about, you know, being in there for that last hurrah with your comrade, you know, Chris guilted me into playing in a pinch tournament. It's the only reason why I ever did it. But I'm glad I did because you, myself, Tim, and Mason um, had a really awesome conversation about team cohesion. And that's when I said something along the lines like, man, you're crazy with your brand guide, but also, you know, how do you get your guys to wear the same thing? Why do they do that? I can't even get my guys to show up on time, let alone wear the same shorts. And you uh -huh. talked about like how it feeds into the whole like military aspect of discipline. It was like, oh yeah, I, duh, I know what that's like. Right. And um, you and and Tim were just giving a lot of really good what I call free chicken, just good advice. Um, and I was like, man, this should be recorded someday, or this should be captured somehow because you know you're you and I are talking as old war buddies, for lack of better words, but somebody that's trying to build a new team could cut through all the BS of the stuff that we learned the hard way and get a team going and start off on the right foot. And um, it was also a conversation I, I didn't want to lose. Um, and we had a few of those. Um, and it was one of those things where like, I don't want to lose it because we only see each other three, four, four times a, a year. Um, still at that point, NDL wasn't really, we weren't really sure what the competitive future or landscape looked like. So that made me start thinking, this has to be preserved somehow. Fast forward to, 2015, um, and I would have these conversations with Joe a lot also, um, sometimes Brett, especially when we're driving home, like that, that's like, those conversations really just enforce like, this is some good stuff that people might want to listen to. So fast forward to 2015, um, at the time, you know, I worked for the startup company that does audiovisual mnemonic devices that make little cartoons with audio walkthroughs. So we have a really awesome sound booth. And I remember one day, like went to Brett and I was like, it's a really awesome sound booth here. We should do a podcast. And a lot of this was motivated by what David Tates had kicked off with the book of Dodgeball and uh -huh. with what Mark and Vince and um, Dave Benedetto were doing with the syndicated Dodgeball podcast, which I think the Golden State podcast was what it initially was. And um, <clears throat> not to knock on them by any means, but I, I really had a hard time sharing it because of the cussing. And so I was like, Brad, if we do a podcast, let's sound amazing because we don't have an excuse not to. We have a sound guy that's, that's been telling us he wants to do a podcast on something. Dodgeball's a low-hanging fruit. We can talk about it for hours. Let's make it happen. And um, let's not cuss, though, because I want to share this with my parents or my family or 
you know, like I want, I want people to see again, no offense to what Mark and Vince are doing. There's obviously with the amount of listens that they got, people love it. But would somebody from the outside who does not know Vince or Dave or, or appreciate their humor be able to at least listen to this podcast and get something out of it in terms of history or, or just like a one-on-one of it. So me and Brett came into it with that mentality and it ran its course. Life happened. And, um, again, it was kind of in the back of my mind. Cause I remember talking to Tillman and Rob, we wanted to bring them on. And I was like, man, like I got to get to Rob. I got to get to, to Eric and I got to get into that. Those conversations that we used to have where we can not be afraid of a time limit we're not cutting people off or letting them tell their stories. Um, so that kind of sat in the back of my mind, like, you got to do this at some point. Fast forward now to 2017. Um, I'm in Georgia for officer training, and we happened to just wander into the NFL Hall of Fame. And I saw, like, I've always seen parallels between, like, you know how people talk about, like, oh, dodgeball's not going anywhere, or there's all these warring factions. You, you look up any organization out there the MLB NFL NBA they all had similar issues um except I think yeah beginning and kicking off you know somebody wanted this set of rules or somebody wanted this kind of ball or, or this this and that and right. the only difference between what we're experiencing now is we're so connected with each other we're all up in each other's business that that kind of adds like a, a unique element to it but when I'm going through these archives I'm looking at these old stories I'm like man I'm looking at some dude's jacket or some guy's jersey that he may have passed away, but he's he's still here with us right now. Like his legacy is solidified. No one's gonna forget this person because of the Hall of Fame. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back home and I'm gonna do a podcast. I'm just gonna start interviewing whoever wants to be interviewed and I'm gonna preserve their story because one day I'm not gonna be able to play anymore, but I wanna remember this. I wanna be 67 years old sitting on my front porch with my dog, drinking a beer and listening to these memories. And um, yeah, just, it, a lot of it was just motivation to stay and, and preserve people's, um, their, their story. Well, uh, I have two things to say about that. Uh, one, I'm, I'm honored to, um, that our conversation was, even if, if, uh, if a minor influence in some way to have prodded you in the direction of doing oh, this. It's I'm, a heavy I'm, influence. Totally honored to to be part of that story, but two, um, and more importantly, is that I think it's 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 wonderful that you conceptualize the podcast in terms of what quote unquote how you called it capturing conversations, almost like a picture, right? Like a photograph, snapshot, yeah. Preserving stories, um, you know, Steve Damon, the dodgeball archivist, in a certain sense, and I think that's <laughs> I, I think that's wonderful. It's so important. It's so important to know the history. Um, and, and, and I think it's great that you think of it, um, in that way. So, so right on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Right on, Steve. Um, so what would you say is your favorite aspect of doing the podcast? And, and this is a, uh, a question asked by Joe Martinez. Um, favorite aspect, just, just getting to hear people's story, like, like, listening to Kenny's for example I was like man your story almost parallels the crap we went through and I thought we were like the redheaded stepchild that couldn't get stuff right but no you struggle to keep a venue as well and look how far you've come and just being able to take somebody as we see them and, and kind of if they're willing deconstruct them into what made them what they are now like you, you're not just born Andrew Ketchum you're not just born Justin Pine you're not just born Brenda Kramer that, that crap comes with practice and endurance and you're not just you know you don't most of these people are giving us the building blocks to getting better and being able to 
to experience that is is so rewarding. And then future me, 50 years from now, will say my favorite aspect of doing the Dodgeball podcast is I have something to listen to, <laughs> whether it's uh, telepathically or <laughs> like however it's going to be done. Uh, th- that's the other part is just providing something that has given me so much in a way that other people hopefully benefit from. Um, you don't have to listen to all of them. You can listen to yours 20 years from now. Somehow I'll find out and, and I'll consider it all worthwhile. So Great. <clears throat> So uh, Kenny Kenny Cox, speak of the devil. I'm sorry. Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. Kenny Cox is asking: Is there a memorable interview that stands out? This one's kind of tough. I want to say. How many have you done? First of all, you've done so many. Well, straight up one-on-one interviews. I think like 25, and then I just went crazy on the recaps. A little too crazy. so I guess we could do, if you don't mind, I could do, I could break it up into, I'm cheating. I could do two. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my favorite recap was the first one. It was East round one with uh, Frankie Gianetto and Amanda Ashley. And I'm so sorry if there's somebody else on this panel. I don't remember. I think it was Tim Wells. Um, and it, it, why that's so memorable is because it went so well. They took notes. They were so down to help out. And I have, mm-hmm. I've only known of them. I never actually got to talk to them. And the fact that, they're willing to talk dodgeball for an hour and a half and put in however much time they put in to make this happen really blew my mind. And it really gave me an idea for what, um, how people were receiving this. Like people are listening. Okay. That's cool. But people are also taking it so seriously that they want to do a good job. And so, you know, earlier I was saying, Oh, it's hilarious when people say they're nervous, but then here I am now nervous. It's like, why would you be nervous about taking Because they want to have a quality product. And that just floored me again. Just that that was uh, something that this podcast has been able to pull out of people. And so just walking away and, and understanding, like, this is the standard from now on. Like, this is how panels need to be, and I can build off of this. So that was great. Um, my most memorable... Was that, was that actually the... Inter- was that the <clears throat> controversial uh, round when I think Ketchum traveled to the East Coast and played on Anarchy? Yep, that was the one. Yeah, that was a really good one. I remember it. Yeah, and, and you know, I had all the elements too. Like you had a foreign, well, not a foreign, but a, di- a person from a different region playing. You had a new team showing up. You had there was a lot going on, and it was awesome that I was able to cover that, even though I, you know, I've only been right. in the East once. Um, and that that also gave me an idea of like, okay, maybe I can cover more than just the West because I'm so, I'm trying so hard to get out of that. You know, it, we're so biased to what's local and what we're used to, but to be able to bring other people and their stories and their insight and their names and their highlights and shout outs to their respective athletes is, is awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I remember, um, what's the name? What's, what's that, that team's name? The, the pinching team from the North, really good, not dynasty. All of but, them? <laughs> well, yeah, Bush? all of them. Like, wait, no, it's like the- Kraken, Notorious. Notorious, Notorious. I remember first hearing about Notorious um, through your podcast. Yeah, huh. and, and I forgot exactly what the details of the conversation were, but it was basically alluding to the fact that this is an up-and-coming team, a pinch team, but a team that is also going to be a force in 8.5. And I remember listening to the podcast on one of my drives up to Santa Barbara and and thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, who the hell are these guys? Right. You know, this is a new team. What's going on? You know, is there something that we're not 
you know, paying attention to. We need to, we need to look into this, you know, because we're, we're competitors, you know, at the end of the day, we're in this thing to, you know, to know who our competition is to win. And, and, and when I heard their name for the first time, it was on your podcast. And so it was, it was for us, at least it was an excellent source of information. Nice. So um, inadvertently the, feeding you Intel. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to know what's going on all over the place. I got to blacklist you then. <laughs> sorry, man. You can listen after the season. <laughs> So, um, awesome, okay, man. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Most favorite, uh, most fa- uh, your favorite one-on-one interview? Yeah, so my favorite one-on-one um, was Kat Takeda because um, another instance of talking to somebody that I, I know of but haven't had a chance to sit down and speak with. But what really made that interview stand out and really, again, I don't want to sound like I'm humble bragging by any means, but what really made me know that I was on the right track was she listed some players um, that are long gone. Um, I don't know if it was by name or by team, but they were part of the dodgeball story. Um, and I, I, f- I feel bad for the people that dropped off before now, whether it was because of marriage, age, lack of interest, loss of interest, burnt right. out on other circumstances that are not what dodgeball is as we know it now. And they, d- they don't get to see this, but they were so impactful. Like Team Evil, I mean... Who's left? Just me now. But there are so many people that wore that jersey, that lit up the courts, that delighted people, that um, gave people a hard time, that hit you, that, that caught you, that you know allowed you to have a, a winning catch on your own. Like there's so many people that were just not, they're not going to be remembered. But in that one small instant, even though they'll, they'll probably never know, uh, their their story's captured. And, and when I realized that, I was like, wow. This is this is what I'm setting out to do. So I I, I got that validation from that interview. I'm, and who, I'm sorry, who was the interview with? I, I missed that from the very beginning. Uh, Kat Takeda. Kat, Kat, okay. Yep. Great. Um. Okay. So let's let's move move along. Let's see. Anna from Portland asks, "What has been the hardest lesson of the year doing the podcast?" So we've talked about the good stuff. Let's talk about some of the struggles. Yeah, so naturally when I uh, I saw you had posted this, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll probably get like one or two questions here or there, dumb ones or silly ones, rather fun ones. And then I saw this one, I was like, Good existential one. crisis immediately. What's been the hardest lesson for me to learn this year? <laughs> so I probably grew more gray hairs thinking about this whole year, all the changes that I've personally experienced and what lessons did I learn? Because initially I was like, I don't think I learned anything. Oh, that can't be true. Oh, oh God, I had to have learned something. Like, there's no way you can come out of 2018 having not learned anything. Like, and then I just started just tearing myself apart mentally. Like, okay, what did you actually learn, man? So, thanks for that, Anna. But, <laughs> um, personal, and I'll break this down: podcast, personal, and and, and whatnot. But, um, and, and I have a funny one. Uh, I'll start with the funny one. Funny one is uh, Tad Dulugo taught me that ducks aren't as cool as I think they were. Um, I'm just going to do a side shout out. He's looking really good. I watched him play in the classic. That kid is, if you don't pick him up, you're dumb. If you don't play him, you're dumb. Whoever oh, the captain he's on, is. He's on crisis. Good. They, they better play him. That kid is, is awesome. That's going to be a solid team. He's on crisis. Yeah. That's going to be a scary team. Um, so what did you say about <clears throat> what, what happened with ducks? Uh, I'm not going to air it here, but ducks oh. are, ducks are bad news. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> If you're really curious, message me and I'll, I'll or go to Tad. Actually, just blow up Tad. He'll he'll tell you. Okay. I think uh-huh. he's really excited to tell people this and change the way uh, how we view ducks. Um, 
on a personal level, um, what I was able to break this down to for this year was time management. Um, as again, not sound like a, like a jack, but as a platoon leader for the guard, as a at the time regular employee with a you know regular 45, 50 hour job as a dodgeball person, player, and lately podcaster, and um, what's the other thing I do? Oh, ball stay. And unfortunately, ex-boyfriend, I realized, and I used to love, like this is my most favorite thing that my commander told me. He's like, everybody is gonna want more of your time. It's just the natural way things are. Your your work is gonna want more of your time. Your family is gonna want more of your time. Your friends, your loved ones, and you have to find balance. You have to be able to manage your time because you're gonna want it too for yourself. And without airing out my dirty laundry too much, I know that I definitely focus my time in areas more where they needed to be less of. Um, and I wanna say it's cost me dearly, but it, it's, I definitely learned a lot of lessons. Um, there was a couple months of drill that were just super tough that didn't have to be. There was, um, you know, I gotta work on, you know, how I show my time and prioritize with friends and family and loved ones. And um, in the most latest instance, uh, there's a lot of stuff with Ball State that I just wasn't able to do because I didn't make time for it. And that, that one's not so bad, you know, the, the world's not gonna end there. But um, as as we get older, um, as life happens, as, as people pass away, you, you start to really realize like, you, you gotta make time for what matters the most um, because yeah. not to sound religious, but I mean, no day is, is guaranteed. Um, right. <laughs> we can be hit by an asteroid tomorrow. We can go to World War III tomorrow. There's a lot of stuff that um, reminded me that uh, just being able to play dodgeball is a blessing. So to kind of just leave it at that, time management is something huge that I learned. It, it's it's super critical. And I applaud people that can juggle that, wear many hats, and I've got a lot to learn still. But that was uh, the personal one. So again, thank you, Anna, for that. Yeah, that was a great question. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and as a podcast, um, as podcast perspective, I think what I learned the most or the hardest lesson was – I could talk to people forever. Um, I want to talk to everyone, and the unfortunate reality is that you just can't. So you got to figure out ways to somehow make that happen. And it might allude to that in in the question that Alan asks uh, down the road. But um, that's just something you got to. I want to talk to everybody, but I can't. But I'm going to try. So right. Well, speaking of which, um, let's just. Uh, I think this is a good transition into Sergio's question from LA. Sergio from LA. Guess you would love to have, but haven't. And what is the one thing about interviews you enjoy most? So we've kind of covered the second part, the latter part of that question. Mm -hmm. uh, but how about a guest who you haven't had yet and you would love to have? Um, I was going to say anyone. Uh, I look forward to every single interview I get a chance to. And I look forward to as much as the previous. But I realized Colin Dowling. I cannot wait to get interview that guy. Who? Colin? Colin Dowling from Space Cadets. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. He's doing uh, uh, Beast Coast Chronicles. Where? where okay. Little He's doing Deep Chronicles, right? Yep. Deep. Okay. So he plays on so Space Cadets. Where? What? What city are they located? New Jersey. They're New Jersey. Okay. Is that a city? Yeah. It's a yeah. State too. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> is uh, yeah. New Jersey City. Yeah, I think so. Um. So okay, great. Maybe maybe that's uh. You can get something hooked up with him. Get some intel for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he, he's a diplomat, says everyone, but forcing you to answer, you would say call him. Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, uh, 
there's another one. Um, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, Colin, Colin Dowling, but honestly, anyone. Um, like I said, it, there's only so much time you have, especially now that I'm kind of keeping a schedule. I'm like, Colin, I'll, I'll get to you as soon as I can, buddy. Um, I want to. Don't get me wrong. And, and that's what it is. It's I want to get to everyone. So. Okay, great. <clears throat> okay, um, Alan Thomas from Portland asks, do you have any exciting uh new things planned for the next season anything new and i'm guessing this is pertaining to this is uh in regards to either the podcast or ballast day uh i think podcast because i know i think on a okay. so yeah just real quick um i would like to explore independent panels um i was able to get a, a good sampling of of a who's who of what region who does their homework who's thorough who understands the point of recaps? Thank you so much, Ryan Haley, for your awesome job of just shouting people out and kind of taking me away from the let's ask every single person the same question over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want I want to see more. Uh, I want the word is more more streamlined panels, but I also want to be able to not be the one that determines if they happen or not. I played a lot of catch up. What's that? What do you mean by streamlined panels? Uh, just, just the way the conversation goes. So like initially it was, okay, Serge, I'm going to ask you, what did you see? What were some highlights? What are some cool plays? Okay. Next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kelly, mm-hmm. what was like the same thing over and over again? And there's a lot of overlap. Right, Whereas right. instead, what I'd like to see is here's a list of people that they noticed beforehand. So they're not, you know, digging through their brain as this is happening. Cause it's really hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. But what I liked about Ryan was he he went home, compiled all his notes, and then he just kind of said, so-and-so from this team did this. This team looked like that. This game did this. And it, it was the reason why people listen to re- recaps because they want to know how the event went. They want to know what teams to look out for. But I think most importantly, they want to see if they're going to get shouted out. And right. <clears throat> sometimes, yeah, and sometimes it's just were you in the vicinity of that person? Were you in their eyesight when this cool double catch happened? And if you did... You get a you get a, a little note, and it goes to telling the stories of people that I can't get to. So like, I, I want to be able to to do that more. And um, so going back to like independent panels, um, especially now that I'm going to miss round one and round two, I don't want my hindrance or my inability to manage my time impact the relevance and timeliness of a recap. So um, I would like to see recaps happen without me. Um, I don't know how it would help. I don't know what I'd produce, but I would like to see that happen in the event that I can't be a part of it. Because, uh, yeah, I the amount of people that have said they enjoy this, um, I don't want I don't want to let them down, and I don't want to be the one that says there's no recap because I couldn't commit to it. So that's one thing that I'd like to work on. The other would be live streamed interviews. Um, I did kind of play with live streaming, especially for recaps. I think that'd be a great way for people to engage and submit questions in real time um, and just see what that does, um, especially with the team interviews. It's kind of hard to manage six people at once, but I feel like if the crowd or whoever's listening at the time can submit questions, I think that'd add a lot more fun to it. Oh, yeah. And um, more Eric Stone. I'm going to love that guy's <laughs> voice. You <laughs> <laughs> guy sounds like Archer and Bob from Bob's Burgers. I can't think of the guy's actual name, but uh, he's, got, he's an awesome guy to talk to anyway. <laughs> And um, so I, I did upload a couple episodes on YouTube. What I want to be able to do is edit them into smaller chunks because I know a lot of people from the surveys. Thank you so much, everybody that did that, by the way. Um, sometimes the length is too much, and sometimes it's hard for people to sit still 
or or break it up into into bits and pieces. So if somebody only cares about the crowdsource questions for my interview with Colin, then I'll just segment that part out, and you can have that portion. And it's just a quick way to to listen to it on a on a different um, on a different platform. So that, that's kind of what I've got planned for 2019 in a nutshell. Quite the agenda, but a little bit, uh, exciting things lined up for sure. Yep. Hopefully, we'll see how it goes. Okay, so here are some fun questions. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so let's get into those. So this is Dan Levine beat me to this question, but he asked, <laughs> uh, "Name one single good thing about Joe Fernandez other than Val Horn." <laughs> it's funny because whenever that question, when it said name one single good thing, before I even got to thing. I was like Val Horton. <laughs> um, uh, one, yeah, one single good thing about Joe is that kid is the best. Um, I, I can I can think of very few people that are the most reliable, most mm-hmm. honest, most dedicated, there for you kind of people ever. Um, when I first met Joe, he was hanging out with us um, after Doc and Eddie's after Phoenix Dodgeball League. And he would just just be cool to talk to. Um, and he's been there for me in, in some really nasty, dark times. Um, and I know he'd be there in the future. He's he's he, I, I would bestow upon him the title of ultimate homie. He's he's a great guy, and I think that's why he gets so much from people. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Very warm person, always has a big smile on his face. And because of those things, us we people gotta, who are as good as Joe, <laughs> you take advantage of it and we, then put fun. We got to bring him down. We, we got to make him human. We have um, to bring him down to it. <laughs> yep. All right. Love you, Joe. Um, okay. So, Brett Baxter, red light story. Do we know this or do we not want to know this? Oh, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Um, red light make story. PG sure 13, Steve. Yeah. Um, okay. Red light story. So, this is uh, Mark's first round one west round uh, re, uh regional 2013 elite championship or elite dodgeball tournament i'm gonna slow down because i'm butchering this um the first tournament we talked about where you know adrenaline was showed up team evil came back um my girlfriend had broken up with me that night the night of the tournament or the night before the tournament so it's already in not in not the best of moods and um or we, we were about to be broken up it, it was just going really really bad and uh, I wasn't taking it very well. And we um, we got to Englewood, get to our hotel, and uh, I'm just I'm just not paying attention. I'm I'm out of it. Um, we stopped in an intersection, uh, a really big one. Um, I know where it is. I just don't have it off the top of my head. But I remember like I was in the the leftmost lane. So the lane next to me was you know waiting for the green light to turn. And I'm I'm like I said, just I'm not there. Um, I'm listening to Brett and Stephanie and whoever else might have been with us talk about who cares. Um, just think about oh wow, poor me. And <clears throat> somebody says, <laughs> somebody says, uh, oh, there's a rallies here. And um, somehow that triggered like this old old memory of me being like four or five. I used to go down to you Nogales know, from Rico, like the big city at the time. It's not a big city at all. People want to get an idea of like my upbringing, and um, we would go to rallies, which you know was always a letdown because it wasn't McDonald's. But I would I'll never forget the way it looked, what the mascot looked like. It was like this aviator sitting out of a single engine plane with a little scarf and his little like aviator goggles, and he's got a burger in his hand. And I was like, right. man, well the the mascot looks cool, but the food isn't that great. Um, 
And for some reason, that was a staple of my childhood because as a kid, you want McDonald's. And so you don't want to ever settle for like Burger King or whatever. But rallies was different in some crazy way. So <laughs> when they said rallies, I just like just looked over and I said rallies. And then as I'm looking over, I see green out of the corner of my, because I'm looking to my left now, and at the peripherals, I see green. I don't know that this is the green arrow for cars to turn. So I drive straight through the intersection in a red light in a very busy intersection. And oh, wow. I just hear, Steve, 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 what the, like, Brett and, and like, the Baxter's just freaking out. And I was like, rallies? And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just completely out of character, out of focus moment. And, um, like I don't know how how in depth Brett wants me to go, but that that kind of shook me up a little bit just because I've never done anything like that. Like very rigid, focused, by the book rules kind of guy. And what I think what really got to me was like that one lapse of of awareness could have could have really injured people I care about. So that that shook me up a little bit. Yeah. Um. The rest was just a, a build up to just a really really crappy day. Um. And and the end result, I'll spare you guys the the sad whiny details, but the end result was. At the end of the day, the ATM machine swallowed the money that I was supposed to give to uh, Brett and Stephanie, or it did something. It was just like the one last thing that could possibly happen happened. So <laughs> I go into my car. It's pitch black outside. I go in my car and I'm driving. And I'm just, I, before I drove, I was like, Brett, Stephanie, I, I need you guys to just cover your ears for a second. And I just dropped the loudest most animal barbaric f-bomb i had ever yelled in my entire life and that was uh that was me like melting down but (laughs) it's all funny now so that that's the red light story (laughs) well (laughs) uh, yeah that sounds like quite quite the day for you steve (laughs) well you know talking about like how i felt like i was born again uh yeah i needed that i needed that hope of at least i have dodgeball (laughs) so yeah that was a great day all right. Um, let's see. We have some more controversial questions lined up here. Keep these quick. Uh, Michael Coyve, who is better? Oh no, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. Sergio is asking if a showdown between you and Coyve were to occur, what would be the final score? If the if the showdown was between who can be a crappier person, Coyve would win hands down. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, in in, in dodgeball. Um, Unfortunately, the only time I really played against Koi was when I was in Oregon those days, and I was pretty good back then. Now, I don't know. Um, I think right now he probably had the upper hand because he's played more. If I'm in ideal conditions, um, I think it would be an even match. I don't know who would win. I'll give him that. How about in terms of refing Koi Vass? So Koiv cheats a lot, so I feel like he has a better knowledge of what to look for when it comes to cheaters. So I think he'd catch more than I would as a ref. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds about right. All right, it's flawless logic. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Alan. Alan wants to know: Did you expect anyone to win? So that was I was I was really trying to win that competition, Steve. So he's talking about the sweater competition. Yeah, I feel bad for that. <laughs> yeah, I asked Karina. I, I just got tunnel vision for like a good hour and started like, you know, re- keyword searching your, your, your clues on the internet and <laughs> try my best to win that competition. <laughs> but then awesome. Alan just swoops in out of nowhere and gets it. Uh, so he's he, asking if you expected anyone to win that competition. He, he didn't, he didn't swoop in out of nowhere. He had a lot of guesses. Um, and I thought Devin McManus was going to get it because he was getting close. Um, mm-hmm. and it's funny because what, what spawned that question was, 
back in the day when when I, I think it was like the second or third episode, um, Alan asked, where'd you, in the comments, he asked me about like, where'd you get the song from? It sounds very anime-like. And I was like, I'll keep that a secret. Once I get something good to give away, I'll use that as a contest. And so full circle, hey, I've got these hoodies that some people are interested in. I'll give one away if anybody can guess this. So I wanted it to be tough, but I didn't want it to be like calculus tough. <laughs> I thought somebody's going to get it immediately. And so by like day three, I was like, shoot, I'm going to have to like drop another clue. But then somehow he figured it out. And it's the theme from Blue Gender, which was an anime that I'd started when I was 18. I didn't finish it until last year. And I love it. It's like Starship Troopers, but Japanese style. It's really good. Really, really solid story. And um, yeah, he, he, he took it. Well, for, the, for, for those of us who don't watch anime, that, that was certainly comparable to calculus uh, for a person that doesn't do that. <laughs> For sure, I'll, I'll I'll think of easier contests next time. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's see, where are we? Uh, this is a good question. I like this question. Markel from LA, Markel Stokes asks, "Who would be your super team and your women's and co-ed for foam?" Well, so this is a really low foam nosting an eight point five. How about we just simplify this? Um, assuming there's a way to combine all of those styles together. Tell me about a super team in your mind. Loaded question, super easy answer. Team USA 2018, men's and women's. Any ball style, doesn't matter. I feel like the oh, scouts did a fantastic job. A, yeah, that was a solid team. I agree with you. Yeah, and, and look at the women, gold. Look at the men, second, almost got gold. Um, I, do you need any more validation than that? No. Um, the scouts did a solid job picking the right players um the coaches did a great job keeping them in line and the vision and execution of that whole thing should answer markel's question so so uh <clears throat> the men's, um team usa as well yeah definitely so here's a, a related question um i'm not sure who asked this question but it's a good one it's an interesting one i think this is sergio it, was it Sergio again, the, the the one about mount rushmore yep asking me the david tate's mount dodgemore question what is it? The David Tate's question? Yeah, I, I, David Tate's asked this in his in his podcast. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, it's a I great question. That. It's a great question. It, I I didn't want to give credit where it's due. So it was Dave Tate. So, yeah, who, who originated? <clears throat> who would be on your mountain? All right, so I, I put some thought into this, and I, I'm looking at it through the lens of like, who are we going to thank in the future? Uh, so the first person that came to mind, um, and these might surprise people, we'll see, would be Vince Marchbanks. Um, phenomenal player, but great contributor to the sport. He's he's killing it on social media, and he's one of the few people that I can, when I'm talking about dodgeball to non-dodgeball players, I say, we have an athlete that has been featured in Huffington Post, in Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal. He's been referred to as LeBron James of dodgeball. Yeah, Here's some really awesome clips of him doing stuff. And then every time he shares um, that, that footage of him lighting some dude up, in the NDL or, or doing that weird hurdle backwards throw on Tanya. Yeah. I look at the comments and I see people, I have no idea who they are talking about how awesome dodgeball is. And I feel like, Oh yeah. Those two videos have gone viral. Yeah. And, and it's that virality that I would put them on Mount dodgeball because yeah, there are a ton of amazing players out there. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but the people sure that are actually them. utilizing that and advancing the sport and the way that Vince is definitely earns yeah. him a spot. An ambassador. Exactly on my on my Mount Dodgeball Dodgeball <laughs> Mount Dodge I don't even know what it is anymore Mount uh, Dodgemore. Let's go. It's called Mount Dodgemore. Yeah. So, 
on, on that note, the second one would be, um, and I thought about this one for a while too, Nicole Chasen, because she's not only amazing, but I feel like with the, the work that she put into with Bill Fair to bring on the international scene, yeah, going again, going off of the fumes and the leverage that was obtained when Rampage won and, and taking that further, instead of saying, yeah, we're world champs, cool we'll see you next year it's like no we're world champs let's utilize this let's make these connections let's build an international like network and let's bring these games to 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 the states and let, let's give us a reason to have a team usa so definitely nicole for that one um and, and not to by any means um discount the amount of people that have helped obviously there's there's a ton but just for the sake of time and and limit it to four it would be her uh third would be jake mason for being able to have the the uh, social stamina to to deal with everything that he does and and work with people to unify the dodgeball scene into what USA Dodgeball is, um, as you know, there have been so many fly by night national organizations trying to bring everybody under one umbrella, and because of Jake, because of the respect people have for him, we're able to fall under him with some questions, yes, but for the most part, I feel like he's been very instrumental, and again doesn't take away from what everybody else has contributed just when you look at the who's who for the for this time uh, I would say that he's been very instrumental <clears throat> and uh, last but not least and I don't know how this is gonna be taken but Ed Prentice um, oh wow yeah I, I feel like you'd probably say that um, and that is because uh, despite what we old-timers may th- say and think of him now there would be no competitive dodgeball without him whether he was motivated by greed, by passion, by whatever it was, um, the NDL brought competitive dodgeball to life. And for all that, however it turned out, we all know what, what happened. We all know what was spawned because of it, but we know that it happened because he brought dodgeball to, mm-hmm. uh, to us. So I feel like it would be a, as an archivist, as you put it, it would be a uh, it'd be a complete disservice to, to not honor that. So that would be my four. That's a fair point. I mean, look at the uh, the presidential figures on Mount Rushmore for us. I mean, we have some controversial figures, right? Yep. Um, so I think that's a fair point. So you have just to recap, you have um, Vince Marchbanks, Nicole Chasen, Jake Nicole Mason. Chasen. And Ed Prentice. Jake and Ed Prentice. Interesting. That is a controversial one, the, the final one. <laughs> That's why I saved it for last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think you're right. He, he you know, um, in terms of orchestrating a national platform for the sport, he was uh, instrumental. He was, you know, sort of at the start of that. And I yep. think without that initial uh, jump start, who knows where we would be now. Um the the national sort of design was there for Mark to to look at and say, well, look, you know, here are some of the fundamental things, but we can do this much better by changing A, B, and C, right? Exactly. Um, okay, great. Um, let's see. Moving along, some of the questions. So I think I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this, but phonetically, I would say Stwape. Stwape. Uh, oh, Stwape. Okay. Stwape. Well then. Yeah, you need an accent over the E. Uh, Sergio Leone from LA is asking, can you please tell us uh, the story behind the nickname Stuape? I wish there was something epic, but that's that came from Mason. I don't know where he came up with Stuape. I think uh, 
he looked at my name, Steve, and threw in some weird letters, and he called me Stwape, and this was, you know, we're still trying to figure out who we are as players, and, you know, I, I gave Mason the nickname Doom Train, um, and and it was only fitting that I would have one at some point, and so when he called me Stwape, I was like, I'll take it. It's better than me thinking of one for myself, because, you know, you have to earn the nickname, so that's where Stwape came from, and I asked him, too, I was like, where did you ever come up with this? I was like, no, no, you just, you just seem like Stwape to me. I was like, okay, cool, I guess. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, Swape. Maybe maybe this uh we can ask this question for uh uh to the show Way Way with Words, uh NPR. Do you listen to that one? <laughs> I've not heard that one, no. Okay. It's a good it's a good show, but they basically look into like the history of like nicknames or words or phrases and stuff. Maybe they have That's answer. cool. Yeah, okay, I'll, well here's I'll a question that, that I, I wanna know about uh Hurricane. Where did that come from? Because when I met you, oh man, um, that's how I knew you by. Is, oh, God. Maybe not, maybe that that long ago, but I know at some point the hurricane became a big thing. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, tell me about that. So, uh, man, two thousand eight, playing kickball, uh, my first exposure to like an actual drinking social event. Um. We're playing kickball, and uh, some might know this guy by the name of Tristan Tristan Pinier, who uh, yeah. we, we go back. Um, so he's playing kickball. He actually got me into the kickball league. We're drinking, and um, I don't know if they still do it now, but Waka, when you, when you start a game, you have to play flip cup or whatever. So we're playing we're playing flip cup, and this is, again, my first game of kickball. I'm excited. I can't wait to like just throw a ball from center field and hit somebody. So I'm just like dying to utilize and incorporate the dodgeball aspect of kickball, especially because we didn't have leagues at that time. And um, this one girl was just, and I don't want to offend anybody, but she, she was just just really obnoxious. Like, she was just a lot, real heavy on the, like, frat boy, you're just, you're just too much. You know, you're just a little too overly competitive over this flip cup game. And she just, she did something that just really rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I said, and I'm just going to say it because I know it's going to be bleeped out, <clears throat> but I said to Tristan, I can't wait to nail that right i'm i'm drunk i i rarely ever say those those words in unison uh -huh. and, and i ever rarely mean it like that um and tristan's like oh okay so so you want to oh god <laughs> i got to believe all this you want to ride her like a hurricane i don't know where he came up with that name or what that even means but he did that and he started doing this like dance where he put his like palms of his hand over his head and he started like doing Chris Bell still does it to this day this like little twirl thing and I was like dude stop it and just all night non-stop and I was like okay you know what whatever I'm drunk we're having fun this this will be gone this will never we'll never talk about this ever the next Wednesday during open gym he says that after I made some kind of play like I hit somebody or caught something and then freaking Chris Bell saw it and then he just turned oh. it into the hurricane and, and somehow it just became a thing where anytime I did anything whether it was good bad or i just lived hurricane and he would say it in his high-pitched like hurricane voice chris bell <laughs> yeah and then and, and it caught on and then i was like okay it's only gonna stay in phoenix it's not gonna go anywhere else and then we go to phoenix to play or it's only gonna stay in tucson i can go anywhere else i go to phoenix to play sunday same thing and then it just catches on and doesn't stop so eventually it's like well i could fight this or i could just own it i just won't tell the story to anybody so lo and behold hurricane for a very long time yeah, I mean, I think I got to the point where my cousin was making was making videos, <laughs> videos of you. 
uh, of Mascara Fatal, which was his alias. Oh, some great times. Um, yeah, just trash talking about the hurricane. <laughs> uh, so we all knew about it. So it's interesting to now find out where it came from. Yep. Does Chris Bell still heckle you with that? He, he does. He even freaking did. Uh, was it Nationals, I think? Some, somebody did it. Very <laughs> right. recently. I was like, it's not going to go away. <laughs> But uh, at that point, it, you know, at this point, it's already taking a whole nother meaning. De- I definitely don't think about the Waka thing most of the time. I just think about this is this is who I am to people. This is awesome. Okay, so how about uh, damn it number damn it or hashtag damn it damn it Damon? Um, yeah, Chad, Chad Landra from Phoenix is asking about that. So, I, not trying to humble brag again. It's probably like the word of the day, but I can do some pretty cool stuff sometimes on dodgeball. I can I can be a really awesome teammate. I can be a huge contribution to the team's win, or I can do something completely stupid like reach for a ball that I had no business reaching for. That if I just stood still, I'd be alive. So I do a lot of dumb crap. Um, and one time, I guess was was just enough for it to click that Chad would just say, "Damn it, Damon!" And in real life too, I, I can be composed i can be articulate i can be awesome i could i could be whatever i need to be but at the same time i can also do some really stupid stuff to to mess that up as well so damn it damon became like this just this phrase on facebook that uh chad started sergio leone ran with and then i just like well I'll, I'll take it i need an instagram handle this is perfect because sometimes my photos are just like what the hell is he doing <laughs> so those little those little mental mistakes can be costly <clears throat> They can, but they can also be funny, and I, and I feel like that's where Damon Damon comes from. Where like the, the the mistakes that I make, if, if people are laughing, then it's all good. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, following next question, uh, from Justin, I think Bosch is how you pronounce it. Bosch, Although I don't think it's very likely now that you reported uh, jumping on headhunters, but he's asking if there's going to be a rampage reunion anytime in the future. I will always pine for a grudge match between as as much as could be reconstructed 2009 Rise versus 2009 Rampage because yeah we won the championship but did we though because you guys weren't allowed to be there and the whole time we practiced with the intent to beat you for that championship and when we didn't get that chance that championship just didn't taste as sweet so um, I would say I would like for there to be one, but probably not. Probably not. So would it be possible to have that grudge match? Um, Mason, no longer in the picture. That's why I said, like, as possible, or as close to the real thing as possible. Like, we would get Alan back and Chris. I'm trying to think who, who else on Rampage doesn't play anymore. You would have to get Pyan back. Um, we'd, yeah. we'd probably get Wallace back. Um, he still plays Nose Thing. Um, yeah. we have to get Ben Snyder back. <laughs> We can get it pretty close. Yeah, and if it's 4-on-4, four 5v5, four, four, maybe. We'll see. You should set that up, Steve. That'd be fun. I'll see what I can do. Okay, so uh, Markel <clears throat> Stoke, what's, uh, what kind of song gets you pumped up? What's your favorite song before a dodgeball game? Um, any. Um, lately it's been Metallica, but the one song that I go to if I just need to wake up is uh, a remix version of... Uh, Son of Flynn by by the Tron soundtrack uh-huh. um, by KI Theory it's I have to like make sure I don't listen to that at night because if I just hear it I already get like I want to go run now I want to go lift now I want to do like something stupid I want to get out of this car and run home um, that's my go to right now but it can change if, if I'm 
if I even get to listen to music beforehand, um, just something fast and hard hitting. Metallica works. Exactly. I love Metallica. Slayer a little too hard for you? Never got into Slayer. Couldn't tell you. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think I skipped over this because so I have another question. Uh, favorite. So besides the rise, besides rise, rises jerseys. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite team jersey? I thought about putting rise because you guys always color coordinate and change, and you guys, <laughs> you guys do look sharp when you pull it off. But uh, basing that um, goat for the East Coast because they have a really awesome color scheme. Kind of deviates from the usual black that most people stick with. Um, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and then the goat is very menacing. I, I love the way it looks at you, like. Mm-hmm. Come at me, bro. Um, close second, though, would, would be Retro's Precision jerseys. Um, definitely on a little bit of an 80s uh, synth wave kind of thing. So like that. Um, wanted to give them an honorable mention. From the South, Outsiders, black and red is my favorite color scheme. Uh, they're very simple, but they look good. Um, just something about an all-black team I'll always have a, I'll have a, an eye out for. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> for the North, Dynasty. They're the epitome of sexiness. Um, everything matches. I like the green, yellow, blackish kind of color scheme. They look good. And then um, on the west, uh, Roybots. The Roybots. They had some pretty solid jerseys, especially with uh, Johnny Five and Mega Man and, and some of the, the cooler robots out there. The, um, they have the blue, right? The blue color scheme. Yep. And the font's really cool. looks very sci-fi. Uh, they look pretty sharp. Yeah, those are pretty sharp. I would agree with you on the um, on the goat jerseys. I think I think maybe it's the I love the design, but I do think it has something to do with the color scheme. They just always seem to find the right because not just this year's. I think last year's was really sharp as well. Yeah. They had the I don't know if you remember them, but they're green and I think green and black. I want to say green and black. Uh, green and black, and then this year they had the the pink and and black, right? Pink, yep. black. Yeah, they just know how to those those colors are very very sharp. Yeah, they look good. Okay, let's see. Moving along the questions. Um, Nick Tantillo, I'm guessing, asks, how long does it take to listen and write down all of the edits every episode? So this is a really interesting question. How much time do you put put in behind closed doors? Um, total. So listening to an episode, I listen to the whole thing because I got to catch all those swear words. Got to catch the miscues, got to catch the stumbles, you know, whatever happens, the random noise that you hear. So mm-hmm. take that. And then between setup, takedown, maybe 20 minutes there. But th- mostly for editing purposes, um, one full playthrough plus another 30 minutes of, ah, crap, I didn't hear that. And then once I get the edits from Nick after I've notated them and he submits them to me, I listen to the whole thing again. So by the time the episode releases, I'm pretty much over it. <laughs> I'm definitely like, okay, I can listen to this, you know, 10 weeks from now and I'll, I'll be good. But, um, yeah, for people that want to know, um, if an episode's an hour and a half, then I put in three hours of just listening to it. Of just listening to it and then, and then that's not counting the edits? Uh, well, no, counting and listening for edits. And then the second one is the QC where if Nick might have missed square word, if one snuck by me, if I didn't annotate something correctly, I want to catch oh. those, so... So three hours in addition to the actual episode. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of time consuming, but wow, that's that's a lot. It, it flies by, and I learned to multitask, which is probably why I sometimes might miss a, a bad word here or there. Sorry, Nick, but um, working hard, Steve. Well, we we appreciate all of the all of the free labor you expend. Oh, for sure, totally worth it. 
every second. Okay, Katie. <clears throat> Katie's asking, um, and this is a good question. I've always wondered about this too. Katie Yance um, asked this. Does it sting? Does it still sting when Caitlin Evan Anderson, Ellis Anderson, defeats you every time you go up against her? I can hit uh, Caitlin. Which, if I'm not mistaken, has been happening since the early 2000s, mid 2000s. No, it, it's recent. Like, okay, <laughs> 2014, 15. She really just had my number, <laughs> and uh, I can hit her ten times. She can catch me the eleventh. It doesn't matter. She might as well have caught me all eleven. And uh, it stings because she doesn't play anymore. So I can't do anything about it. <laughs> Oh, so this doesn't date back to Grand Canyon State Games. Um, it's relatively new. It's it's definitely new. She may have uh, caught me during Grand Canyon, but at the time it, it wasn't like a personal vendetta than it is now. Yeah. And uh, it's it sucks. I can't back down from it, and I always go square for the chest. Like I can hit him in the leg or the arm or the shoulder. I can nick her, but that's not as satisfying as a chest shot would be, and she catches me every time, so... Shame on me, but uh, I can't help it. And yes, it does still sting, Katie. Thank you for bringing that up. I believe it. All right, let's see. Joe Fernandez, your favorite list of top? No, your what's your list of top players over thirty-five? Anyone over thirty-five still playing? If you're still playing at thirty-five and above, I love you. You're the best. All right. Stay strong. Don Leanne from AZ is asking, "What do you love? Why do you love glitter so much? Uh, when did this love start?" Uh, I don't love glitter. It started when somebody gave away a glitter trophy for something, some Phoenix dodgeball season and tournament. We were all drunk and me and Don decided to have a glitter war. And for two weeks straight, I was finding glitter everywhere. And, uh, that's now just been associated with me. So thank you for that, Don. So you wouldn't be in support of a glitter bombed burden ball as Kayla is asking. I would Kayla, if I get the first shot (laughs) and if you... If you get me out with that glitter ball after the fact, then that's on me. Okay, and then uh, last but not least for the fun questions, Mark Acom. Acom, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Team Taco or Team Pizza? Team Pizza. Pizza? Team Pizza. Interesting. From Arizona? Doesn't matter. Pizza is pizza. It's the best. Um, you can thank the Ninja Turtles for that. Watch them at four years old. I don't know what this pizza is. I want it. I love it. It's delicious. I'll always love pizza. My wife would agree with you in your uh, false and bogus statement. Your wife is very wise beyond her years and a great person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's. Um, this is the final section of the of the um, of the uh, crowd crowd sourced questions, and I think these are these are very interesting ones. And so uh, they're under the title. I have uh, forward looking questions, and I think. Um, they really get at you know what we um, think the sport will be like in the future. What are some of the bigger challenges, etc. And so I'd be very interested in hearing what you have to say about him. Sergio asked the first one, um, uh, saying, asking you if uh, what is one milestone you want to see dodgeball reach that it hasn't gotten to yet. Do you have anything in mind? I do. Um, great question, Sergio. You really made me think about this for a while. And the milestone I want to see or witness um, comes from when I tell somebody I don't know that I play dodgeball and they don't say, oh, like the movie, they say, oh, like ESPN, like what I saw streaming, like what's on Netflix or what's on whatever medium that this is on. So basically we get to a point where dodgeball has 
has made it to the fact that people aren't saying the stupid movie things that we all hear. They're saying, oh, no, I know what you're talking about. I read that in the newspaper or I saw that on BuzzFeed. I figure once that happens, we're in a fantastic place and that's a, it's a hell of a milestone to, to measure that off of. Do you think there's like a particular, a particular roadblock uh, that needs to be knocked down in making, making that transition? Is there like a key move that we as a community need to make in order to get there? Um, sharing. Uh, and I've, I'm going to sound contradictory because I don't, I don't do it nearly as often, but when somebody's streaming something, you got to share that crap. Because you never know who's you never know who's watching. So when when Mark and Glenn are asking people to share this elite tournament finals showdown, mm-hmm. I think that's what helps. Because um, you know I said yeah it'd be great to watch dodgeball on the FX channel or Fox Sports Network or what have you, but the likelihood of that happening versus something that we can control like streaming, whether it's Mad Cities. Um, you know, webcast, you know, the people that are watching the craziest stuff online might be interested in, in dodgeball. And, and so a friend of mine who's a friend of mine might see this because it's being shared. That might be an investor, that might be a producer, that might be somebody like, oh, there's something here. So I think what would help that would be to just do what is already being asked of people and has been for, for years now, and that's just share the crap out of content. Okay. So this question by Kevin uh, Fry kind of uh, bleeds into... Um, your response, but I'm wondering if there's something else that comes to mind. He's asking, what in your eyes is the biggest factor limiting the growth of the sport? So for this one... Other than sharing, is there anything else that comes to mind? Oh, absolutely. It's it's people's... Um, and again, I'm trying not to sound like I'm on a pedestal here, but it's it's people's unwillingness to help out. Mm-hmm. It's it's so easy for me to even now go and start my own dodgeball league, think there's money in it, and just be a complete shut off person to it, and and there's nothing stopping me from calling it American Dodgeball Association of America, or, or and, and just say I am now the governing organization. Maybe a little bit harder now because of what Jake has put in place along with everybody else and the committee members, but mm-hmm. this idea that I have the right ideas only I can fix this has to go. There has to be a lot of what I've seen this past year. And that's people saying, okay, I'm going to check my ego at the door and I'm going to help the growth of the sport. I'm going to, I'm going to take my gain aside and be grateful that I just get a chance to play. And I'm going to pay the $25 membership fee. I'm going to help ref. I'm going to supply refs that, that if I don't want to, I'm going to help pick up trash. I'm going to do all these little things like people. And I'm just as guilty. I definitely have had my moments, but this selfish mentality of what's in it for me can I show up and play? I mean, a majority of people are going to do that. And to an extent, that's fine. But if you want to grow the sport, you don't have to do something as major as what Jake, Vince, Glenn, et cetera, et cetera, people are doing. Simply sharing or helping out is, is going to help with grow the sport, I feel. And I feel like that's the biggest limiting factor. We're, we're so we're so at each other's throats over some of these comments and these articles. Um, and there's a lot of negativity towards the dodgeball community. But at the same time, there's still a lot of people out there that are freaking super helpful and have just so much untapped potential not to deviate, but to give a quick example. When we went to, we as in ball State went to the bells of the, of the ball dodgeball tournament. Mm-hmm. The, I can't think of his name right now, but the announcer was amazing. Um, he was super awesome, hospitable. 
went to thank him and he said, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm a business lawyer. So if you ever need anything, let me know. Like just who knows what that could accomplish for us uh, alone. And if, if we were to ever need his help or we were to ever, I'm totally pulling stuff out, out of the air now. If we're ever to, to need his help in something that benefits the players, it's that trickle effect because somebody was willing to just offer what they can without thinking about what's in it for him. There, there may be some, like, you know, yeah, I want to be a part of something, but at the same time, like, just that willingness to help out right. is what helps grow the sport, and the unwillingness to help out is what's still in the way. And that, and that can go as far as I don't want to share, I don't want to ref, I don't want to pay, I want to argue, it's all about me, 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 me. Um, I feel like that's what limits us now. A larger collective effort. Yeah, in a, in a much more succinct yes. That, that, yeah, no, I we... agree. I think that's that's super. And, and I mean, don't leave yourself out of that equation. You know, the podcast, Balaste, all of these things are major contributions. But um, as you were mentioning, you know, it doesn't have to be this gigantic step. It could be something small, something minor, you know, at a tournament, helping ref, doing whatever is needed. Sharing the information. I mean, imagine how many. I mean, we have tons of people in the community, right? Yep. So I agree with you. I think that's that's huge. And and um, just to I know I, what's that? Oh, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I know there's probably a lot more that I I could be doing on my end in terms of the sharing, but um, in general, I agree that's you know that's the way forward. Yep. Okay, so uh, Shadid uh, Drakeford, I think from the East Coast, um, is asking where do you see dodgeball in the next five to ten years at the youth level? which I think is also part of the answer and sort of the larger question of, you know, how do we get this sport to move forward? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So another kind of bleeds into this. Another limiting factor of the growth is that people are getting older, they're getting married, they're whatever life's happening and they don't have people to replace them. The NCDA is doing an amazing job helping stop that. So taking that down to another level, with the youths, like the actual kids, um, that is huge. And I saw a little thread that he was talking about with how they have like a feeder system from I think like junior high to high school to NCDA. That is so fantastic and great to see. And to be able to see that replicated is what I would like to see and hope to see five to 10 years from now to the point where we stopped babying these kids, we let them play dodgeball, whether it's as a school program, as a school sport or an after school program. And that eventually bleeds into allowing high schools to have dodgeball teams um, or dodgeball clubs so that they can feed into the NCDA, in which case I would like to see more of an expansion out here in the West and the Southwest so that we can actually have college people, you know, go toe to toe with the Midwest, which is just huge. And right. so, you know, it's, it's an ideal thing for me to, to quote unquote see, but in the next five to 10 years, I would love to see more youth playing dodgeball and being less afraid of getting hurt. Um, if you're going to let your kid play football, for God's sakes, they can handle dodgeball. Yeah. And uh, I think what Shadid is, is saying is, I mean, that would that would really help the growth. Um, and it's not hard. I, I've run youth programs for local boys and girls club. We've done a lot of, you know, we'll do this event for you if you give us cheap or free venues uh, there's lots of other people can do to get involved in, in the youth sports and, and really help that grow and um i've seen people play since they were 14 that are playing now as adults um i mean shoot look at elijah um hashimoto kid was playing since he was 12 that kid right. has so much dodgeball ahead of him it, it's incredible so to be able to find those people and make more elijah's is terrifying but that's that, that's what we need to do that's definitely the future <clears throat> 
Yeah. Okay. So um, no, I agree with you 100. I think, I think, um, and 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 with what I think uh, Shadid is alluding to is that it needs to start at a much younger, at a much younger age. Yep. Um, I know that on the international scene, the Malaysians are doing a pretty good job in terms of starting kids off um, with the sport at a very young age. Oh yeah. Um, I think they've even broken into the public school system. So it's just. Um, Hopefully that's something that we can do here in the states as well moving forward in the future. Definitely, yeah. I mean, same thing in Japan. It's it it's like a kendo class school for them or class. Uh, it it's just it's part of their growing up. So that's what we right. need. Uh, I can't even imagine how how great the talent would be if that were the case. <laughs> Malaysia shows you. They showed us this year. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess I can. I guess I can. Um, okay, so Anna's asking, we got dodgeball, we got the dodgeball podcast and ball of state gear from you and others this year. What other exciting ventures can we expect in 2019? What else is on the bucket list? As if those aren't enough, Steve, you're doing a ton, but you got more. <laughs> we want more. What else you got? Uh, I just want to improve on what we've built. I don't want to get spread too so thin that I drop any of these. And I'm so glad you put in others because, my God, Ball of State would not be what it is without Joe and Grace. Um, it, it would have been, I'd still be selling knee pads out of the trunk of my car, <laughs> like I'm selling drugs, um, if that was the case. And as far as the podcast goes, I mean, anybody that's ever been on this podcast, you've you've made this happen. So that's that's enough for me to, to want to refine, improve, and build upon. Um, to kind of tease on some of the other stuff that I actually do have on my bucket list. One's a book. Um, I won't get into too many details with that, but just continuing to work along the lines of preservation of the sport, of the players, of the stories. Um, I did allude to a Hall of Fame with Tyler. That is something I would like to see done before I exit the stage. Mm -hmm. And then also, <laughs> I totally dropped the ball on this, uh, some kind of like secret Santa or something. I tried it this year. I didn't get to follow up with it. I did have people want to help me out. Thank you so much for wanting to do that. But next year, definitely want to start earlier. Mm -hmm. And just kind of remind people, like, this community is full of awesome people. We can take a little break from our arguments, what ball is better, who should be number one, whatever, and just think about each other and give them a nice little present for, for Christmas. Um, so I'd like to see that happen at least, at the very least, next year. I think, I think that would be really cool. Um, any idea of how that would, how sort of the logistics would work out? Have you ever, have you thought about it? Yeah. So there's there's a software program that Amanda Ashley told me she uses, where we just take everybody that that wants to be in. We'd set a twenty five dollar under limit. We'd input the names. Boom. We said you just match with this person. Oh wow. Here's their address. Um, we we'll keep the addresses secure. If people are afraid of blasting them on the internet, and boom, Secret Santa. I mean, if Reddit can do it, uh, dodgeball players can. So. And, well, great. Uh, um, yeah, that sounds like it would be really exciting. Uh, uh, count, count me in if you guys end up making a move on that. Yeah, for sure. No, it's on my calendar. November 1, start asking the questions and, and get an emotion. So go back to the whole time management thing. But I did want to say, um, and this is what I was going to mention previously with the limited factors of growth and people being selfless. Uh, there's been so much more contributions to the sport this year. It's been incredibly motivating. And that, that's kind of what has given me the fuel to put in three, four hours of an episode or work on Ballast Day. And, and it's, you know, it's the Tribune, it's Tyler, it's Dan Levine, um, you know, putting out these articles. Yeah, they're controversial, but they give us content and people want it because they're, they're obviously talking about it. It's, uh, what did um, Bill Fisher Baller. just do? Dodgeball database, like just people doing that kind of stuff is really 
is really awesome and that that's what's going to bring us into that awesome future so people that are uh just contributing on their own you know that that's that limiting factor i i feel is like we're almost past that if this continues yeah and i think that's um that's a great point steve and maybe maybe um you know i'll use that as a segue to make a few concluding remarks because i i do think that you're an important piece in that equation oh thank you um i firmly agree with uh the the idea that you know the collective effort is going to be the way forward and there are a ton of people as you've mentioned who have already made significant strides in that direction including yourself so um that was sort of you know the 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 sort of the the push uh, for me at least in proposing the idea to interview you because not only do you have a long history to tell you know many I can only count on one hand how many people have been around on the competitive scene nationally since you know the beginning and you're one of those people um, so you have a long history to tell but I also think that um, you know and I think it's expressed in, in in sort of your philosophy behind the podcast I think that. You know, the motivation is not self-interested at root. It's instead, you know, driven by a desire to uh, make a contribution in whatever way possible on your end. And I think that's that's huge. And so I think it's great that we got a chance to understand sort of your thinking behind uh, the things that you are doing for the sport. And I, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I speak for most people, but personally speaking, it was a, it was a pleasure getting to this opportunity to interview you. So thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. I know. Thank you, man. And uh, just just one more caveat. You cemented the fact that the podcast was a contribution to the sport. So going back to that bar conversation that we had, planted the seed. And then when me and Brett were like three or four episodes in, when we brought you on to talk professional dodgeball, things like episode two or three, you said, thank you, Brett and Steve, for what you guys are doing. It's a real solid contribution to the sport. That haunted me in a good way because I realized at this point it was beyond what me and Brett were thinking about doing. It was, it was a legit, here's our offering to this thing that we love. And so that's the, the lens that I've been looking at this, this whole time. Like what else can I contribute? And, and that's all ball stay is. That's all the podcast is. If I produce anything else, that's all it's going to be is just, Hey, dodgeball gods out there. Thank you for all the memories. Thank you for all the awesomeness. Thank you for helping me shape into the person I am now. Here's how I get back to it. Whether people want it or not, this is what I offer. So no, thank you, man. That, that means a lot and you have a lot of influence on me so when again when you asked to interview me dude I was I was floored I really appreciate it well likewise Steve it's very humbling to hear for sure man initially I was saving this episode which would have been titled the airing of grievances for the official season finale in which I would just take a few moments which is laughable now if you're still with me to say thank you and kind of recap and reflect on some of the highlights and maybe even lessons learned throughout the uh, second season of this podcast and yet as I progressed through the holiday season um, I wasn't really sure when this end would be especially since uh, we did say we were going to do the OG panel part four which is now going to have to start sometime in 2019 um, mostly because there's still dodgeball happening well into December and having gone through a full calendar year now, I have a pretty solid idea of when to taper off, when to take a break, how much those are needed, and just how to go into it next year. But that being said, I still want to take at least a minute or two to just, from the bottom of my heart, absolutely thank um, everyone that has worked with me, um, everyone that's taken time out of their busy lives to discuss dodgeball, who's taking notes to help with recaps, who took this so seriously that they would go so far as to leave their residence to be able to have some more quiet to think about what they're going to say 
uh, Christy Stevens, I'm looking at you, and did their part in making this what it is now. Um, for those that were willing to reveal themselves to the masses at during individual interviews, whether it was alone in your rooms, alone in your car, Brenda, or wherever you could escape the noisy house noises of dogs, cats, babies, whatever it was, um, I, I just can't thank you enough, especially now that I know what it feels like to be interviewed. Um, I just, uh, again, I'm going to say it a lot, but thank you so much. Um, and additionally, whether it was through suggestions on the threads, through submitting questions, through talking to me via messenger, talking to me in person, any and all praise and criticism um, has made this endeavor so worth it. And I am, I'm just beyond, at this point, I think I'm just perpetually in a state of humility by the awesomeness um, shown by everyone. And I just really look forward to carrying that into next season and continue to work on and build off of a production worthy of the next level of the dodgeball community. There are so many people that are just community, just creating so many awesome things. Uh, it's it's going to be great, and I, I just I just want to be a part of that. So once again, uh, forget too sappy. Thank you all. Have a great New Year's Eve, a great New Year, and here's to a bad 2019. I can't wait. that should work oh man two and a half hours of steve damon no thank you